This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Why do you watch the Oscars, you people ask me? Why do you watch the Academy Awards? Who cares about all those Hollywood phonies? Well, I think we got a pretty good idea of why people like me watch the Academy Awards. Now, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Uh, thanks for starting your week with me. Now, I love events like this, okay? Yeah, I, I do love cinema. I love movies. But... Even more so, even if I didn't love movies, I love award shows. I love every, any event where everybody is watching, especially if it's live, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's, um, you know, wh- whatever, any event where there's millions of people watching and it's live and you don't know what to expect. Because unfortunately, these days on television and on radio, we have seen far too often media that used to be dangerous, that used to be unpredictable, that used to push boundaries, that used to be unexpected, be incredibly boring and homogenized garbage, monotonous garbage. It's all the same. Even the live stuff is scripted. I used to joke around with my friend Joe Franklin because his show was totally unscripted. Joe Franklin would would say to me, these days uh, you go on a talk show, it's scripted out for the host where they say, how are you? And the guest has to say, fine. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Now, the Academy Awards, because historically, not the last few years, but historically, it has garnered such a big audience. And historically, it is it does involve so many talented people, so many celebrities, so many actors, so many stars. It has for always, always been the place where a lot of unexpected things happen. Now, sometimes those unexpected things can be just a an over-enthusiastic or exuberant acceptance speech. I'm thinking of Cuba Gooding Jr. This was before he was best known for groping women in nightclubs and when he was still occasionally known as an actor. Um, he gave that uh, great acceptance speech for uh, the movie uh, Jerry Maguire. That guy, I know Jerry Maguire. You don't have to help me with that. I know Jerry Maguire, please. Um, you remember Roberto Benigni when he won for A Life is Beautiful. Thank you, Matt. You don't have to tell me that one. Um, he was jumping on the stands and everything. Do you remember when it was uh, David Niven who was presenting or about to present? He was giving a talk and a naked guy ran out and streaked on the stage right behind him. You remember that? That See, those are the kind of moments that makes the Academy Awards great. You remember 1978? When Vanessa Redgrave got booed for calling out the Zionist hoodlums and then the speaker after her, Patty Chayefsky, I think it was, uh, called her out. I mean, that's the kind of unpredictability that only comes with live television. If you remember the movie Ed Wood, which is a great film about a very interesting guy, Bella Lugosi, a fine actor, played by another fine actor in that movie, um, Martin, Martin, uh, now you can help me out. Now, now I'm frozen here. No, Martin Landau, I got it. 
um, Martin Landau playing Bella Lugosi, he says to Ed Wood right before he's about to do uh, a live television appearance, this live to Eddie, this live television is it's madness. And it is madness. It's supposed to be madness. You, when Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway read the wrong movie for Best Picture a few years ago, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I love this stuff. Well, last night, just a few hours ago, we got a big dose of this. And it all began with a joke. Chris Rock, former host of the Academy Awards, was joking around about all the celebrities. And in order to understand this, I think you need to understand, um, and this is one of the few times that I'm sorry we're a radio show and not a television show. This is one of the few. uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is Will Smith's wife. Beautiful woman. She's done, you know, she's a celebrated actress in her own right. She's very, very attractive. But she recently announced that she was going to be shaving her head because she's suffering from alopecia. So she's bald. She comes to the ceremony bald. She still looks better bald than a lot of regular women look, you know, with, with three heads of hair. So that's the context in which you have to understand what happened Chris Rock makes this joke. Uh, he's joking around about everybody, but he makes this joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. So then what was interesting to me, and I rewatched the clip several times, What was interesting to me was initially Will Smith laughed. See, uh, from what I could tell, and the, and again, that's why I watched it a couple times, but from what I could tell, it didn't look like Will Smith was sitting right next to Jada Pinkett Smith. It looked like there was someone in between them and then Pinkett Smith. It, it looked to me that Will Smith laughed when he said that, when Chris Rock said that. And then, Will Smith looks over to his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. She is not at all, not at all happy about this. So, um, and by the way, there were other jokes about the two of them. Uh, Regina Hall had um, made a joke about their open marriage. So then, right live on television, as soon as that laughter subsides, which, again, that laughter, and unless he didn't hear what was said, that laughter initially included Will Smith. Will Smith gets up, walks over to Chris Rock, and... I'm out here. oh Richard. He's walking over. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Nick Mike's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> 
So, okay. Will Smith walks over to Chris Rock, smacks him in the mouth hard. Um, Chris Rock doesn't go down. He took that smack and stayed standing and then storms back to his seat. Will Smith does. Chris Rock says to the audience, Will Smith just smacked the blank out of me. Will Smith then shouts to Chris Rock, keep my wife's name out of your blanking mouth. Chris Rock tries to explain. And again, everybody sees this. Um, Chris Rock tries to explain, says it was a G.I. Jane joke, because if you remember the movie G.I. Jane, it's about Demi Moore. She's um, she's got a shaved head. And. Chris Rock, I mean, uh, Will Smith repeats what he said, keeps my keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And Chris Rock just says, I'm going to. And that's where you see uh, Chris Rock saying uh, that was the greatest night in the history of television. And then the crowd laughed, but it was sort of an uncomfortable laugh. Do you think Will Smith did the right thing there? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This was a visible assault live on television. Initially, some people thought it was staged. Uh, But whether it was staged or, or not, I mean, this was a very visible assault. Look, you could understand maybe this was staged. Maybe this was a way to generate buzz for the Oscars. Maybe this was a way to get attention, to gin up the ratings, which have been cratering in recent years. Um, and then I think all question about whether or not this was staged ended a little bit later when Will Smith himself won the actor, the uh, best actor nomination for uh, King Richard. In which he was good. My wife and I are only halfway through this film. It's two and a half hours. It takes us five days to watch a film that's two and a half hours long. But he is good in it. So um, he wins the Best Actor nomination. And here is a portion of his speech. Um, I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my all my fellow nominees. Um This is a beautiful moment, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning a, an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people, Tim and and Trevor and Zach and Sanaya and Demi and Ingenue and the entire cast and crew of King Richard and Venus and Serena, the the entire Williams family. Um, Art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. (laughs) I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. but love will make you do crazy things. So do you think Will Smith acted appropriately? You know, on the one hand, I'm curious how the women in our audience view this, because, look, I think a lot of women would like their husband to stand up for them. And and by the way, the reason I said when Will Smith accepted that award, it sort of put to rest any debate about whether this was staged or not, because Will Smith was in tears as he was apologizing. Now, Will Smith's a good actor. 
but he's not that good of an actor. I mean, he's he's a pretty good actor, and um, I don't think he can do tears on the spot like that. So I don't believe this was staged. Maybe you feel differently. I'd love to know, particularly from the women, if this was the right thing to do. And again, maybe this is the cynical part of me. And I, I recognize that they have an interesting relationship, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. At times, it's been a, a difficult marriage. And I'm not in a position to judge anybody's marriage, uh, especially nobody in in Hollywood. But the... um. I'll tell you what looked to me what what happened as an outsider. And, you know, Matt and uh, Philippe, if you guys watched that, I'd be curious to get your take. But what looked to me what happened was this. Chris Rock was making a joke about a celebrity. Now, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith are celebrities. They're public figures. And they're at the Academy Awards, which is for the elite of the elite. It's filled with celebrities. Part of the joke is that the people there get roasted a little bit. And Chris Rock made a joke. It wasn't a vicious joke. It was in in poor taste, maybe. It was in questionable taste. Okay. I wouldn't have been pleased if I was her husband. But what looked to me what happened is Will Smith laughed at the joke. And then his wife saw him laughing at this joke, and he saw her stone-faced, not at all pleased with this situation. And he sees she's not laughing. He sees she's really hurt by this. And that's when he, one, had to make a show of this, not only for his wife, but for the whole world. And I do think, you know, you know he when he saw that the joke hurt her, he did react as a lot of men would. I'm, I was trying to think, and I've been trying to think about this for the last hour and a half, how I would have reacted if someone made a joke like this about my wife. No one's ever done this, I don't think. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever made a remark about my wife um, in front of me. I'm trying to think. I don't think. I don't think so. And I don't know how I'd react. But I could definitely see myself smacking somebody that does it. But would I do it in an entertainment setting? I don't know. 800-848-WABC. Uh, give me your take. Uh, this is an interesting an interesting situation. Matt Blaze, did you watch what happened? What did you think of it? Uh, I did not see what happened. But just from hearing about it, and maybe I've watched too much wrestling, but I think it's a work. You think it's staged? I think the whole thing was staged. I don't know if Chris Rock she, was in on it. I see. But I think Will Smith definitely did it on purpose. I think he made a spectacle on purpose. I think when he screamed, get your my wife's name out your effing mouth, was staged. I think the whole thing was to garner interest in the Oscars. Everyone's going to talk about it for, the, for times to come. For a year. For history. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Chris Rock said, one of the greatest moments in history. Yeah, and you know next year they'll have them presenting an award together or something. I think he was crying because what he, he was talking about the award, and he was <laughs> crying because he said he started talking about Venus and Richard and the crew of the movie. And I think he is a good actor. Uh, I know you don't think he's that great of an actor. I think he's a good actor. I don't think he's a great actor. I think he was. I think he was. I didn't see this. It's on the list. He's very good. Very but good. I, in I saw this that movie. other movie that he did when he was with his son. Remember, he was like a 
he was trying to be a stockbroker, and they were living like in the subway. Yeah, that was good. That was a pursuit of happiness. Right, that, I mean, was, that good. was amazing. That was good. And you know, I'm not taking anything away from him. Independence Day was great. I remember Will Smith knows a joke. He was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I know. He was I, which a funny is why I rap. thought I thought he was laughing at it initially. So right. you think this was a staged, oh, and yeah. that that Chris Rock may not have been in on it. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I don't know. Right, and I so, think I even think Jada Pinkett Smith knew, and she staged that look. That's the whole part of what, it being see, that's, at work. That's heavy, heavy conspiratorial thinking. Right. You have you have Will Smith being in on it, and Jada Pinkett Smith being in. Oh, it. Yeah, wow. That she knew about it, and then she made that face, and then Will looked over. And then made the spectacle. Because now everyone's going to talk about it forever. You're right. You're right. I could have seen it until that moment when he won. It didn't come across to me like it was staged. Uh, Philippe, do you have a theory on this? Having watched it. By the way, I noticed the version you played. And great job getting the audio. Uh, Philippe again in for Molly. Uh, Philippe has been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, all last week. And uh, we're excited to have him again this week, even though we missed Molly. It's great having Philippe here. But um, I noticed the Oscars telecast, they didn't include a lot of the sound that we played. They went to kind of dead air. They cut off everybody's mic. Where did you get that audio from that you grabbed? Luckily, the fantastic country of Australia does not censor their television. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm adding Australia to my commendation list for today. Japan, too. Both of them. Both of them, I think, deserve equal credit for giving the people what they want to hear. Yeah, that is that's good news. All right, Australia, got it. Um, so, what was your take on this? Do you share this Matt Blaze conspiracy theory? No, I, th- I think if you watch the video and see the awkwardness behind everyone, like it yeah. seemed like the, the video, I think tells a whole different story. The audio is one thing. Once you see the video, you can see how tense the room was and how Chris Rock was was gathering any semblance of thought to try to just mutter out, which he kind of did. You know, he, he saved the situation fairly well, given the situation. He, there could have been a, a full-blown fight breakout on stage. Luckily, you know, Chris Rock, I think, handled it pretty well for the, the hand he was dealt. Yeah, the, the hand, quite literally, <laughs> that he was dealt. Um, so tell me what you think. We'll take your calls in a minute. Let's say, let's say this was real, okay? Uh, Will Smith just smacked someone on television. Do you think that he should be charged... With a crime. Now, I can't imagine Chris Rock is going to uh, press charges because he would look like the biggest wuss in the history of of comedy for pressing charges against Will Smith for a smack that didn't even leave a mark. That being said, when you have the the video, you don't necessarily need the the purported victim in this case um, to, you know, to to. You know, to press charges. Tell me what you think. 800-848-9222. I'm especially curious about the women. Let me begin with Renee in Queens. Hello, Renee. Renee, I gotcha. Hello, how are you? Good, Renee. Good. Thanks for calling. You know, he used this uh, phrase that I hear in the Christian world or the religious world. Keep your, per- you know, keep certain statements out of your mouth. I hear that a lot then he should have handled that situation in decency and order. So what would you, what would you, what do you think the appropriate response would have been for him to do? He should have had, if he, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have knocked the knocked the comedian Chris Rock in his face. He shouldn't have punched him. Right. That's not a way of handling things. 
he just showed something that's that's just his. I guess that's just the way he is in life, and people just don't know it. Yeah, well, you might be right, Renee. Uh, Renee, are you married, or have you ever been married? Yes. If you were, if that was your, if that was somebody making a joke about you, would you have wanted your husband to react that way? Not to go and smack the man, punch him in his. No, not that. Handle it in decency and order. If he's going to talk about keeping his wife's name out of, you know, the mouth. Handle it in decency and order. Got it, Renee. Thank you. You know what's interesting? I thought one of the classiest reactions that I've ever seen at an Academy Awards ceremony was maybe, it's hard for me to believe it's this long ago, but it's over 22 years ago. Gee, I've gotten old. I look at this gray streak on our monitor here and that I have in my hair, and I just, I, I don't know where the time has gone, but. I remember when Ilya Kazan was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award and Ilya Kazan ratted people out during the uh, during the McCarthy trial, during that red red baiting era you know, of the 1950s. He named names and there was a lot of controversy about whether Hollywood should honor someone like that. And I thought one of the classiest responses that day was Ed Harris, the actor Ed Harris, because other people were cheering politely. They were clapping politely. Other people were standing and giving Ilya Kazan a standing ovation. Ed Harris just sat there uh, with his hands folded, looking stone-faced. I think in some ways, if Will Smith would have done that, that might have been a classier response to this joke Rather than walking up to Will, Will, uh, to Chris Rock, smacking him and cursing at him on the way back. I, I don't think Will Smith is that unhinged that he can control himself. This is absolutely 100% remnants of when Jerry the King Lawler slapped Andy Kaufman on Late Night with David Letterman. Yeah. And everybody thought it was real. Yeah. It, it is different though, because that all has to do with pro wrestling, which, which is, is very, you know, right, it, but it, it thrives then, on this. Back then, it was very guarded about that. It wasn't, it was entertainment and it was kayfabe, as All they right. called it. All right. Well, the, I still there think you it's going to come out someday that it was a word. The Matt Blaze theory is out there. Let it never be said that this is not a show uh, that gives equal weight to conspiracy theories. So we have the Matt Blaze theory that this was fa- staged, or to use the wrestling parlance, a work. And we have my theory that this was genuine. I think he genuinely lost it. 800-848-WABC. What do you think? Uh, Tony in Staten Island was the first one holding. Hello, Tony. Yes. You know, I see it a little bit different than you, Frank. Uh, I see that uh, Will Smith was laughing originally. And you can see Jada Pinkett Smith. She looks upset. Uh, And I think what happened was, she she looked at him, and rather than him being worried about her being upset, I think he said, "Oh shoot, I have to I have to do something about this because otherwise I'm going to catch heck at home for not defending her." Right. Well, that's and not far off he, from my theory either. 
Yeah, and, and I also and I also think that you know if if imagine if it was someone of another race that topped up and 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 uh, and hit uh, hit uh, Chris Rock oh. in, the, in the mouth. Like oh, that. forget about I mean, it, please. His career would be over. Oh, there'd be riots also, right now. There'd be riots. Are you kidding? Imagine if that was James Woods. If that was James Woods, yeah. and they made a joke about him going ha- having as his date a twenty year old at the ceremony, and uh, and you know him being seventy or whatever he is, and then James Woods walks up to Chris Rock and smacked him. You forget about it. There would be literal riots right now in the streets of Hollywood. Right. And I also thought about this. You know, imagine our police officers, the abuse that they take. They take far worse than that. And this rich millionaire, this this spoiled nut job, goes up and does that. And then not only does he commit a violent act on TV, he then uses that type of foul language. I think he's in jeopardy of losing his award, and I think he should, especially given what, you know, the, the, the entertainment industry had all of that sex abuse scandal, and they were talking about upholding their values and this and that. Well, let's see what the, the, the Academy does about this. I think it should be taken. Could this set a very bad, uh, it was very bad for families to see, for kids to see. Well, that's to true. That that's true. It's uh, to normalize it. It was terrible. That's true. Uh, thank you, Tony. And what was interesting to me is Will Smith did not apologize to Chris Rock. If you uh, let me hear his uh, acceptance again, uh, number number eight, if you would, Matt, well, where he issues an apology to the Academy and to other people. Um, I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my all my fellow nominees um, this is a beautiful moment and I'm not I'm not I'm not crying for winning a, an award it's not it's not about winning an award for me it's about being able to shine light on all of the people Tim and and Trevor so, and yeah, Zach. We, we don't need to hear the rest. But just I wanted to play for you the apology. Does not apologize to Chris Rock, the person he smacked. And Chris Rock's a comedian. You know, Chris Rock's job is to tell jokes. You know, I, I wasn't anticipating talking about this today, but my friend, um, I have a close friend who is representing this 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 woman this young woman, this 26-year-old who pushed down this 87-year-old vocal coach, and she died. She basically killed this woman. And there was a column in the Daily News all about my friend Arthur saying this is why people hate lawyers. Well, I mean, excuse me. I always laugh whenever people say things like this because it's your job. When you're a criminal defense attorney, usually you don't have the luxury of only defending saints. Do you know who you, most of the people that you take money from? You know how you pay your mortgage and your children's tuition? You do that by representing people that are usually guilty. Usually guilty. So Chris Rock, in some ways, it's the same thing. It's Chris Rock's job to tell jokes. He's a comedian. They want people laughing, and people were laughing, including... Will Smith. That's why I think, look, uh, Tony and I, our theory is not far off. I think she caught him laughing. The world caught him laughing. And he saw how hurt she was. And he also recognized 
that, look, what kind of man am I if I'm not going to stand up for my wife while she's being belittled? 800-848-WABC. There were some other aspects of the Oscars that I wanted to talk about, but we have we have time. I got four hours. No guests today. So it's just you and me. We got plenty of time to talk about a wide variety of things. We got uh, commendations coming up at 3 a.m. Got a lot of other fun stuff coming your way. Elizabeth is in Astoria. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Frank. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Likewise. Thanks. I, want, I, I wanted to touch on the Jada and, um, and Will. You don't know this, but Jada has a, a talk show. It's the Red Table Talk. Oh, and I didn't the know Red that. Ta- yes, in the Red Table Talk, she's been having this problem for years. Did you know she tried to commit suicide because of her hair? Because of her hair? I did. Yes, I did hear that. That's, but that's the problem. So you see, when they said the joke, because I saw it live, when he, everybody laughed, and he thought, okay, it's a joke, but she didn't take it as a joke. She took it as, oh, him too? Him too? You know? That's when he got up there and said, you know what? He went and he slapped the, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but he slapped him so hard that he had like a little bump on his on his right cheek. <laughs> Yeah, no, he smacked him hard. So you don't buy this um, Matt Blaze theory that this was staged, no, right? No, no. He he was laughing because everyone was laughing, and he thought that she would have taken it as a joke because maybe right. he thought, she's okay, she's past the suicide part. She knows that she has no hair. She's amazing because she's gorgeous. But when he saw her face, that's when it dawned on him, you know, because people that are depressed and have alopecia, they – you know, some people try to kill themselves. Oh, no. So he didn't yeah. want he didn't want that to happen again. He didn't want her to say, oh, no, everybody laughed at me. I look terrible. And then go, God forbid. You know, that's why that's why he did it. Well, I, I think you're you might be right, Elizabeth. And thank you for that uh, extra context. Appreciate that. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. We'll continue talking about this. And if anybody cares, I'll actually tell you what movies won and some of the other highlights and uh, and lowlights of the ceremony. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, just a couple hours removed, not even, uh, uh, and the ceremony ended around 11.35, 11.40. Uh, a couple hours removed from the biggest night in Hollywood, the Academy Awards. This used to be a major event, and slowly, year after year, the audience has dwindled. In 2019, the audience fell to a record low. They thought it was a record low. 2020 managed to fall even lower than that. And then... Uh, 2021, uh, they did a, 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 a even lower than that. 2022, here we are. They tried to do a number of things differently. And they're going to do a number of other things differently in the future. Let me briefly go through a couple of the winners. I saw because, I, I, you know, I always used to hear adults complain about how they couldn't see any movies because of their kids. And I would always say, oh, come on, you're just being a martyr. Ah, oh, that's never going to be me. Uh, that's totally me. And I, I, you know, anybody that's ever had a four month old understands and a, and a job, let alone a job where you work these crazy hours, you know that you never have time for anything. 
you know, <laughs> watching movies. So I saw very few of these. My wife and I have been trying to cram in the last week or two. I did see Coda. Coda won Best Picture. I didn't see all the nominees yet, so I can't say that it was the best film, in my opinion. But I really love this film. My wife did, too. She and I were both in tears at the end of the film. As we've been talking about, Will Smith won Best Actor for um, King Richard. Uh, Jessica Chastain won for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I didn't see that, uh, but she is a very talented actress best original song was billy eilish and phineas for no time to die that's the james bond movie and uh, the best animated feature no surprise there there that was in canto um, a lot of the young people are obsessed with that ariana debose one for west side story i did see her acceptance speech live and she made a big deal about how she was the first i, I lost track of how many firsts she was i think she was the first in her words, queer woman of color. And there was some other thing that she was first in queer Latinx women of color, I think. I don't know. And um, the a lot of other uh, a lot of uh, the, the director, Jane Campion, Power of the Dog one. You know, who I was really happy to see for best supporting actor. Uh, I was very happy to see uh, the gentleman from. Uh, Coda win. He was absolutely terrific. His name is uh, Troy Coetzer. He's only the second deaf actor in history to win for uh, win an Academy Award. The first is Marley Matlin, who is his co-star in this film Coda. The acting that these people do in Coda is phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. And it's it's really I, I was really pleased. Again, I didn't see all the films, but I was very pleased that he won. And uh, I I think most of the winners were right on. One thing I did want to comment on, and you know, it's funny. On the Cats Roundtable on Sunday morning, I was talking about this with John Katzmatidis and Richard Schwartz, and either John or Richard mentioned, well, you know, they're going to cancel all movies that don't have enough black, gay, or disabled actors. And, you know, I thought John and Richard were sort of making a joke about, oh, that's the interest that Hollywood has now in being woke and promoting minorities and so forth and whatever, that's Hollywood's agenda. But no, they weren't joking. These new rules for the Academy Awards actually will disqualify movies that don't have enough black, gay, and disabled actors. Now, these new rules, which are going to go into effect in 2024, would have removed from contention last year's winner, Nomadland, and a lot of the key 2022 nominees. So beginning in, it's called the the Aperture 2025 initiative, Uh, Beginning in 2024, they're going to disqualify films from the best picture category that don't have enough black, gay and disabled actors in the cast and crew. Now, this is a move and it's been criticized by Kirstie Alley and a number of other people. But very few people are afraid to say publicly that they don't think this is a good idea. But this is a move that many industry industry insiders feel could be the final nail in the coffin for this awards show, the Oscars. And if we have time, we'll get into some of the other changes that they made to make it more uh, more watchable. One of the things they did this year was bring back a host. They didn't just have one host. 
They actually had three. One of them was Amy Schumer. She started out the night by making some jokes about no movies made about women. Inspirational, isn't it? It's just after years of Hollywood ignoring women's stories this year, we finally got a movie about the incredible William sisters dad. That was funny. She also made fun of the Leonardo DiCaprio film, which apparently nobody except me liked. I because I am yet to talk with someone that liked this film other than me, uh, except for my wife. She liked it, too. And uh, she made fun of that film. What other movies are nominated? Don't Look Up is nominated. Yes. Yep. I guess the Academy members don't look up reviews. <laughs> <laughs> And um, she also pokes some fun at uh, Aaron Sorkin and being the Ricardos. This is such an intimidating room to be in. There's just all my heroes are here. So many amazing filmmakers. I mean, uh, Aaron Sorkin, a genius, truly, right? I mean, the, the innovation to make a movie about Lucille Ball without even a moment that's funny. I, <laughs> not your fault, Nicole. You're great. No. But I mean, if you're Aaron Sorkin, how you make a movie about the most iconic female comedian, not one left. Brilliant. It's brilliant. It's like making a biopic about Michael Jordan and just showing the bus trips between games. I thought she was pretty funny. And from what I saw of um, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall, I thought they had some moments where they were pretty funny as well. But the big moment everyone was talking about, and this is where it's a shame in that it does overshadow some very good work done by these artists. And it overshadows uh, a lot of other issues related to the Academy Awards that I was hoping to talk about. And maybe we'll sprinkle it in throughout the night um, is this Will Smith moment where he slapped Chris Rock on television. Mike from Florida writes, uh, he's texted me, and you could text me as well, 8168Morano. Will Smith should be arrested and charged. What say you? You know, one thing, you know, they made all these changes to make the Oscars more watchable. One of the things they did was they did a bunch of the awards before the show started, which I didn't think was right. I think they should have at least given us the option of watching them on the Internet. But the telecast started at 8 p.m. I don't know what they really achieved because it still went for three and a half hours. But they gave out a bunch of awards from 7 to 8, and then they did sort of a condensed version of it. I didn't love that, but okay. One of the things they did, which I think was very weird, is they added something where they included a top cheer worthy moment. And this was very hyped. And I was so confused watching this. And I turned to my wife to see if she shared my confusion, but she was distracted on her phone. She wasn't even watching it. I couldn't even tell if this was a commercial or not, but they, they, after the presentation of the Oscar for animated feature, An off-screen announcer simply said movie fans around the world have been voting for their favorite movie moments, the ones that make them stand up and cheer. Here are your top five. Now, I'm expecting to see Gone with the Wind. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm expecting to see uh, a man of an offer he can't refuse. I'm expecting to see Yo, Adrian. You know, I'm expecting to see You Had Me at Hello. I'm expecting to see Is This Iowa? No, It's Heaven. 
Instead, it was basically it was five brief clips from The Matrix, Dreamgirls, Avengers Endgame, Spider's No Way Home, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. That one as the most uh, the top cheer worthy move moment, not of the year, but I think ever. So this is all part of the Academy's attempt to be hip again, to get people watching again, because they toyed with the idea of including best popular film. And then that went over like a lead balloon. So I think this was their way of including movies that people actually want to watch because the Academy has been wrestling with, okay, how do we keep, how do we keep honoring movies that no one has seen and no one wants to see? And yet expect people to watch the telecast. But I think there might be broader issues. And there was a very interesting article written in Deadline about some of the broader problems that the Oscars the Oscars have. I'm going to link to it. I don't agree with everything that this fellow Dominic Patton writes, but I'm going to link to it now. You can read it if you want. Uh, it's Facebook.com slash Morano fan. That's Facebook.com slash Morano fan. All right. I've talked enough. Let me let you have your say. Al in Manhattan, give me your take. Yeah, so, Frank, first, uh, don't look up. I, I loved it. My wife loved it. Oh, you did? It. Okay, I'm not movie. the only one. Oh, a- absolutely. But, but Frank, and I, I'm talking from someone when I worked for ABC a number of years ago. I, I worked two Academy Award telecasts and attended the ceremonies. And I've got to tell you something. A- ABC is is either going to just blow up because that that was a horror show and it was a horror show even before the academy just what john katzman's tv said this morning and i heard that and he is absolutely right and the oscars are going down 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 that hill and everything is woke and it shows and i think well it's actually baked into the rules now beginning 2024 it's not even just 24 correct yeah and and you know if you're and for instance um they just opened the Academy Museum, and and my son went to school out in L.A., and so he visited the museum. And of course, when I was out there, because of my association to the industry, um, you know, a lot of people, and also watching it being built. And what they did, and I don't know if you've heard this or re- read about this, that uh, there is not mention of the Jewish founders of the film industry. You're kidding! Wow. And I didn't it's know a that. Huge controversy. No, it's a huge controversy, and now they've, uh, in typical woke fashion, now they've gone the opposite way, and they're going to be having a permanent music exhibit that is going to, you know, go over the Jewish history and how the industry started. But this is, but but the focus is not on the classics like you were talking about to give the history. But for instance, they have a whole room about Spike Lee. Yeah, I saw that in the bit that they did where they showcased the visit to the Academy Museum. Uh, Very good call, Al. Thank you. Uh, By the way, there's an article that uh, in the New York Post, could Will Smith lose his Oscar? Uh, There is an Academy Awards code, an Academy Code of Conduct. So people, you know, I don't know. One of the things that I do like, uh, you know, I obviously love The Godfather, so I think it was great. I had to actually take a nap before the show, so I missed it. But I I thought it was great that they had a 50th anniversary commemoration to The Godfather. I like that they did the uh, 60th 
anniversary commemoration to James Bond. I like that they did the 30th anniversary celebration for um, White Men Can't Jump and seeing Wesley Snipes uh, with Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez again. That was fun. And it was funny. The three of them were funny together. Uh, I don't know. You know, this is also the 30th anniversary of my cousin Vinny. Did they do anything for my cousin Vinny? Did anybody notice that? I didn't see that. Um, do you know, Philippe, do you know if they did anything for my cousin Vinny? No? Okay. Um, cat got his tongue. No problem. 800-848-WABC. Would have been nice if they did, but if they did and I missed it, uh, so be it. Uh, Michael is in New Jersey. Hello, Michael. Hey, Frank, uh, listen, love your show. Don't think I don't love it. You keep me up half the night, and I have to drag myself to work in the morning. I'll tell you. Geez. But you know what I do? I tell everybody else about the show, so they'll be sleepy as Thank I am you. when I walk Thank in you. The That's door. what I like to hear, Michael. Thank you. I, I do. Uh, listen, um, uh, there's so many perspectives on it. But for me, I was, I was not even going to watch Academy Awards. I'm one that tuned out. My kid was in a commercial, so I had to go watch the oh, show. Oh, really? What commercial? commercial it was the ABC News one. There, there were a couple of kids are dancing and jumping around at the end news. They were focusing on the news team. Well, I, I, well that's was, cool. Was, Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, went by real fast, yeah. At any rate, um, classless moments versus classy moments. Let's just say that. Okay, this is really a classless moment. I, you, know, uh, you talk about cause and effect. Uh, uh, yes, you described it. I'm not going to repeat it. It, it. It's a roast fest when you're hosting the show. Right. But, but, but you know, to walk up and assault somebody, and then he rationalizes in his, his speech. So tell me, what do you think? He rationalizes, well, and I'm, I'm protecting girls, I'm protecting women. What are you showing them? You're showing them this is what you do? You, you resolve something by not controlling your emotions, and you go out and assault somebody? That's the message you're teaching these women that you're saying you teach them? Well, I mean, I don't think so. What do you think? Uh, well, look, I, I don't think I was trying to think how I would react. I don't think I would have reacted this way. And I don't think my wife would have wanted me uh, to react this way. No, now, uh, no. But sometimes, look, sometimes your emotions get the better of you. Will he be charged? Will he have to give give back his Academy Award? What do you think? 800-848-9222. You know what I did like towards the end? And I just saw this. I saw this as I was here. I was listening to Curtis and I was watching this on my computer. The the presentation for Best Picture, I was not only happy that Coda won, but they had the award presented by Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli. And you could tell Liza Minnelli, you know, to say she's showing signs of age would be putting it mildly. Uh, she tried to be in good humor and try and put a good face on this, but she came out in a wheelchair and she was having a, a little bit of a tough time. And Lady Gaga uh, said to her, off mic, right? And it was meant to be off mic. She said, you know, I got you. And she was kind of looking out for Liza Minnelli to make sure Liza Minnelli didn't have one of those Warren Beatty moments of reading the wrong film or something. And uh, I thought that was nice. One, it was nice to see Liza Minnelli again. Uh, and it was nice that they paired her with a younger star. And it was nice that they paired her with a younger star that has so much respect for old time greats like Tony Bennett, like Lady, li like uh, Liza Minnelli. So that was nice. I like that whole thing. I like that she was the person to present this award. Who knows how many uh, Academy Awards Liza has left in her? 800-848-9222. Al is in Amityville. Hello, Al. Yeah, Frank, first of all, first time caller. I've been listening to you since you started. Oh, thanks. You're very comfortable to listen to and talk to. Thank and you. Ten, and 10 other things. But anyway, <laughs> when I was, in fact, I was going to call Curtis up, but he was involved with something else to tell him breaking news. But yeah, when I saw it, 
I said right away, I thought this was staged, but then there was that moment of silence for about 20 seconds. Usually they'll bleep a word, but this is longer than usual. And and then, and I knew right away, it wasn't like somebody said, this was legit. And you know, something to Frank, he, uh, first of all, he might have had, he might have not liked Chris Wright from the beginning. He might have had, might have had some issues before this, who knows? I don't think so. I, I've never, I mean, not that I'm plugged into the Hollywood scene, but I don't think so. Well, okay. Well, that's just spe- speculation. You know what the other thing I noticed? It could have been a little thing or nothing. When they were walking back out, um, uh, 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 Chris Rock had the announcement card. I don't know if you noticed this. And he was saying, I don't know who won the award. Was, I don't know who it was, but it was uh, Frank Rock had it handed him the he didn't want to take the card from him. You know, it says the winner on it. He, like, was shunning him off. Interesting. I, I didn't notice that. I th- uh, Thank you, Al. I, 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 I you know, I, I didn't see that. I, I actually caught this. This poor happened when I was asleep. I caught the show. I only saw about 45 minutes of it, maybe an hour of it, live, uh, because I was – you know, that's another thing, is they sh- – I've said for years these shows should be on the radio because I was driving back from my dad's. And I wanted to hear the show. I missed the beginning. And I watched it when I got home, watched it for about an hour, went to sleep, and then couldn't listen as I was driving in. And then watched when I got here. I missed a lot of this stuff. We'll continue with your calls in a minute. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is the other. This is lifestyles of the rich and famous. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. So I am getting some messages uh, via email and Facebook from people that thought what Will Smith did was appropriate. Anna writes, "I thought what Will Smith did was great," um, and then she says some other things. Um, but as a woman, I loved it. Bring on the macho. Uh, that's a female perspective. Meanwhile, Joe from Ronkonkoma writes, "Chris Rock disrespected his wife." I would have knocked him out. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Monday morning, I would say I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Those of you that that care and have been following my throat drama, I had a sore throat for about 2 weeks and I was actually getting pretty frightened because on Wednesday, I think it was, I was maybe Tuesday, I don't know, I've lost track. Tuesday into Wednesday, I was I had no voice. I was completely unable to speak. And when you make your living speaking and you have a lot of bills to pay, uh, that is a frightening, frightening thing. And I, I never really had a sore throat for two weeks before. And then I went to a doctor and they said, well, it's not strep. It's not anything, um, you know, that shows up on this throat culture. So then I, I went to this um, ear, nose and throat doctor. He says, I don't see any redness. I don't see any ir- irritation. I think it's prob- I think it might be acid reflux. So that he gives me a list of things to do to avoid, for, you know, for acid reflux. He says, uh, no caffeine. Meanwhile, I told Curtis that. He says, oh, good luck trying to do these hours with no caffeine. He's right about that. So no caffeine, no citrus. I haven't been drinking alcohol anyway because of Lent. No alcohol. 
no chocolate, no fried foods, and uh, no fatty foods, and a couple of other things. But um, so for the only thing that I was really using heavily was citrus and caffeine. And I got to tell you, and uh, one of the things they told me was to sleep on an incline. And one listener wrote to me, not just to sleep on an incline, but to sleep on your left side. And so I researched that. Apparently, there is some truth to that. It has to do with where your esophagus is positioned and where your stomach. So two days of sleeping on my left side and an incline, no, uh, three days of no citrus, three days of no caffeine, along with no booze and all the rest. And I feel great. I don't quite feel 100%, but I feel about 98%. Uh, I feel great. Now, I can't imagine I'm going to give up caffeine and alcohol for life, but uh, but who knows? Maybe once I get over this issue, I'll be able to gradually, slowly reintroduce some of those things. Those of you that are holding, please continue to hold. Uh, we'll get to your calls. A lot of other stuff to get to beyond this. Uh, I did want to discuss the situation in Ukraine and uh, some of the drama involving our lieutenant governor. We'll see what, how much we get to. We've got commendations coming up and a whole bunch more. Uh, this is the other side of midnight. No guests today, so plenty of time for you and me to talk. If you want to be heard, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. You can find me on Twitter, at Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Make sure you get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Once again, I think I have to give the award for best headline to the New York Post. Uh, The New York Post and the New York Daily News both have this on their front page today with pictures. And the New York Post headline is Best Smackter. Not bad. I think it's pretty good. And the Daily News is a disappointing, fresh hit. I I think we'd all agree that the New York Post wins that round. not all of the women in our uh, our audience are siding with Will Smith for being uh, the macho guy standing up for his wife. I got an email here from Miss M, who's a very astute observer of this program. She says Matt Blaze is sick for playing Eye of the Tiger. Smith is a blank hole. Why not go up and say something coherent instead of being violent, you idiot? Did he punch her? Say something and be a real man. Rock handled it incredibly well. I can't stand Smith in general. Never could. And No Time to Die is a horrible song. OMG. All the very best. Um, there you go. That's the thing with uh, issues like this. It's subjective. By the way, but you know, I'd also love to know, at this point, the Oscars seems willing to try everything. If they made you the producer of the Academy Awards, look, You can't change what movies are coming out. 
you can't change the model of movies are increasingly being released on streaming rather than in theaters. You can't change that. You can't change that there are 900 awards shows these days. You can't change the fact that it's a lot easier to access a star because every star seemingly has a podcast. What would you do to change the actual production of the Academy Awards? I thought that Twitter best movie moment was nonsense. And the fact that a movie that I never even heard of won tells you, I think, how stupid it is. Um What would you do to improve it? The other thing I thought was interesting, and I I do want to talk about the Ukraine situation if we can, but um, I know a lot of people have been patiently holding, so I will get to your calls. The other thing that I thought was interesting is the the emphasis that was spent on lobbying for uh, Vladimir Zelensky to be included in this show. Now, I, I, I recognize that a lot of people like Vladimir Zelensky in America and that he was an actor. I get all that. But I think hearing a foreign leader, albeit one that's very popular at the moment, speak during an award show about motion pictures, even if he was an actor, that is completely wrong. I don't think there was any. And Sean Penn was sort of threatening. Oh, we better. We better hear from Vladimir Zelensky. I mean, you don't think you hear enough from Vladimir Zelensky? You got to hear from him even when you're watching the Academy Awards? Sean Penn went so far as to threaten to melt his Oscar if they didn't let Vladimir Zelensky speak. No word yet on whether this Oscar actually got melted. They don't let you sell your Oscar anymore. That rule changed post-1950. Uh, well, uh, technically, it's before you sell it, you have to offer it back to the Academy for $1, for sale for $1. So basically, they don't let you sell it. Um, but I was, I, was, I was thinking about this and reading about this before the show. Does anybody care if Sean Penn melts down his Oscar? I know I don't. You want to melt it down? Whatever. Still don't want to hear Zelensky at the Oscars. 800-848-WABC. Hey, speaking of um, Ukraine, uh, this remark from President Biden has gotten a lot of attention. I want to uh, play this for you. This was, uh, you know, the president gave a speech which was almost universally praised as a great speech. It was even compared to the uh, speech that Reagan gave where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And then at the end of it, he included a line that was not in the script of his speech and that White House aides, including you just heard Frank Diaz at the top of the hour news, have been trying to walk back. This is what President Biden said in uh, in Warsaw at the end of his remarks. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Now, they've been saying, oh, this is not our stated policy. This is not really our policy. Of course it is. Uh, Biden was doing what Biden always does. Biden, the thing that has served Biden best throughout his life in politics, 
is also what has served him the worst, which is that he has a tendency to speak off the cuff. Now, this works well for him many times because he comes across uh, people say he comes across genuine. He can come across as having great empathy. He can come across as having great understanding. But he also says a lot of dopey remarks. I, you, you, you know the list. You don't need me to go go through it. And this was an example of Biden saying what I think he truly feels. And for the White House spin team and the secretary of state, Tony Blinken, all to try to walk this back and act like this is not our policy. Well, then what did he say it for? So I, I think this was a tremendous mistake on Biden's part. You cannot endorse regime change in the country that has the second largest stockpile of nuclear weapons. Because if Putin thinks he's going to end up like Muammar Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein, then that makes him a guy that becomes desperate in a hurry. So I thought that was a big mistake on uh, Biden's part. As the former Greek finance commissioner, uh, finance minister Yanis Varoufakis put it on Saturday, a U.S. president who during an atrocious war does not mean what he says on matters of war and peace and must be corrected by his hyperventilating staff is a clear and present danger to all. But I think beyond all this, beyond Sean Penn itching to have Zelensky speak at the Academy Awards, beyond Joe Biden saying publicly that he wants regime change in Russia and then his staff all hyperventilating saying, no, we don't, we really don't, that's not our policy. We have to ask ourselves, and there was a very good discussion between uh, Sean Hannity and Tulsi Gabbard on Friday. And look, I'm not a Hannity fan, but I thought he did a very good job. And I thought she uh, she always does a great job. But they did a very good job having a respectful discussion, laying out the two different sides in this war here. Hannity is of the belief that we should give the Ukrainians enough weapons to win this war. Tulsi is of the belief that the Ukrainians can't win and that by giving them, by giving them more weapons, this will only prolong this conflict and lead to more people dying. I'm much more of the Tulsi Gabbard opinion than the Sean Hannity opinion. But hovering above all these questions of Sean Penn and Zelensky and Biden and regime change and his staff saying, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean regime change. You have to ask the question, why? What interest does the U.S. have in Ukraine that are vital enough or substantial enough to justify messing around with risks of nuclear war? I mean, that's about as serious as it comes. Why did the U.S. not do more to try to diplomatically avert this horrific war in the first place? Instead, we opted for the opposite approach. Namely, we discouraged President Zelensky from pursuing diplomatic direct talks with Russia on the grounds of futility and rewarding Russian aggression. You can't talk to them. They took Crimea. Well, we went from the fire to the frying pan, the frying pan to the fire, rather. And we didn't even explore whether a vow of non-NATO membership for NATO, excuse me, for Ukraine, 
would have been sufficient to avert this. How does growing U.S. involvement in this war, whether it's in a no-fly zone, whether it's in uh, troops in Poland, whether it's in supplying weapons to Ukraine, how does growing U.S. involvement in this war benefit the people of the United States, particularly as they were already, before this war, weighed down by all the issues we're dealing with at home, inflation, the supply chain problems, all the problems that resulted as a, a result of the pandemic, economically, culturally, physically, health-wise, everything from drug abuse to alcoholism. So, uh, sorry for ranting. And meanwhile, while all this is going on, almost nobody in this country is talking about the war in Yemen. Now, right now, we are involved on the side of the Saudis in this war in Yemen. And if you look at the numbers, it's bad. American involvement in supporting this Saudi-led military action against the Houthis in Yemen, rather than helping to resolve this conflict, is prolonging and escalating the violence. By continuing to support the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates, the U.S. not only is complicit in the slaughter of Yemen's civilian population, it also risks getting dragged into more active participation in that war on behalf of our two Arab security partners there. Biden committed to ending support for offensive operations in Yemen. Now, the administration is alleging that the support America provides to Saudi Arabia and the UAE is merely defensive. Baloney. Baloney. By selling weapons that the Biden administration says are defensive, as well as servicing contracts for spare parts and maintenance for the Saudi Air Force, the U.S. is helping the coalition wage this war. This is a position that ignores the billions of dollars in offensive weapons the U.S. already sold to the Saudis. Instead of escalating U.S. involvement in defending the Saudis from the consequences of their aggression, the Biden administration should should suspend all arms sales to Saudi Arabia and the UAE until they end this war in Yemen. And the fact what bothers me is most people in this country are totally unaware there's even a war in Yemen. We're playing a role in destroying a country that is already impoverished. The effects of war, this war specifically, have killed almost 400,000 civilians. 400,000 civilians, not soldiers. And pushed another 16 million to the brink of starvation. Despite seven years of active U.S. support for the coalition, the role of the U.S., And the appalling conditions for the civilians in Yemen are getting almost no American media attention. Well, not on this show. On this show, we're going to tell you what's going on. 800-848-WABC. If you want to um, talk about the Will Smith situation, you can. You want to talk about Ukraine, you can. Any subject is fair game. Um, You know, we had a lot of guests last week. So I wanted to do at least one guest-free day where we give you an opportunity to 
be heard and where we give me an opportunity to vent a little bit. 800-848-9222. Tom is in Bergen Beach. Hello, Tom. Hey, Frank. How are you? Um, uh, I, I just want to say uh, it's a shame so many people are losing their, their uh, sense of humor. You know, it's sad that people are looking for something to eat all the time. Many people looking for attention as well. You know, I thought Chris Rock was funny. Will Smith was probably more than likely angry when he saw his wife's face. Although at the beginning he was laughing, right? right. I didn't see him. So yeah, I mean that and, was, and, that's um, how I saw it. Again, you know, they, they say the wor- the least reliable accounts in life are eyewitness accounts because you could have ten eyewitnesses see ten different things. But the way I saw it was that Will Smith laughed initially. Yeah, so I hear. Uh, so we all need to take a step back and have fun and look for the good and steer away from all this hate. God bless everybody. Oh, about about getting um, um, charged with – should Will Smith get charged? I, I said only if Chris Rock um, presses charges. I mean, Chris Rock ain't a punk, so he ain't going to do that. No, he's, there's I, no way Chris Rock – now, how about no should the Academy take his Academy Award away on a on a code of honor issue? I don't know the rules, so I, I wouldn't be able to, to speculate on that right now. Yeah, well, fair I'm enough. Gonna, I'm going to take, take the Jackson approach. And <laughs> I, I can't answer that in this context right now. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Michael is in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Hey, Frank. Uh, can you hear me now? Can I hear you? Yes, I can hear oh, you. Oh, okay. No, because it went dead for a second. Um, a couple of thoughts, Frank. Number one, by any chance, do you know where Will Smith went to high school? I don't. Okay. He went to a Catholic high school. Oh. So my question is, and then I want to say something about uh, Yemen. Um, my question is, I thought in Catholicism they teach you to turn the other cheek mm. not to slap it <laughs> okay michael that's good that that was that would have been yeah. rim, rim shot worthy have we known that's where you okay. were going that would have been that would have been rim shot worthy that's not bad michael's been on a little bit of a dry streak at least on our show i guess he saves all his good material for curtis on the weekend 800-848-9222 uh leo's in manhattan hello leo Good morning, Frank. I was originally wanted to talk about Schmidt, but I better answer the question about the Ukraine. Uh, you ask what good would come out of it if we get more involved. Uh, number one, after Afghanistan, if we stay just on the sidelines, and so far we always come with any help two weeks too late, in, with, uh, with, uh, with the sanctions and with anything, two weeks too late, we're going to look more as a loser, more as a just like not getting involved and be scared, be be a thing. That's what that's what he did in Afghanistan. The same is he's doing in Ukraine. Number two is in Ukraine. I believe it's really now made decisions about really history in in Europe. Next, like five or ten years, maybe more. Because this is just first step. If if we're gonna let them bleed out and save some civilians, it's just first step. And he's gonna go for Belarus. He's gonna go for for the Lithuania. Well, that's the argument. That, that's the argument. And anybody and, that and and that was gonna go in play a nuclear weapons. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been asking everybody that is an opponent 
of America ramping up their support of Ukraine. I always ask that quite same question. Is is this Chamberlain style appeasement? And you that I, you know, I try to ask everybody that question. And I think everybody and I, look, I think it's a fair question. 800-848-9222. Ted is in Union. Hello Ted. Hey, how are you? On my way home. That's what I call you. I always listen to you on my way home. Wonderful. I don't like Curtis as much as I like you because Curtis is just, you know, I, 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 li- I like what you put your topics and everything. Uh, I got two points. The Will Smith thing, I mean, you know, the alopecia, which, you know, I don't follow that stuff closely, but he kind of like, you don't make fun of somebody that's sick that's like, you know, going through some, some stuff. But apparently that was all over the news that she was having uh, issues with it, losing her hair and stuff. So, that was inappropriate for Will uh, for Chris Rock to do that. I think Will Smith. But but uh, uh, Ted, I'm going to let you. Classic, I'm going to you know? as uh, as um, Kanye West said when he interrupted Taylor Swift. I'm going to let you finish. But um, d- don't you think you know the guy's a comedian? So it was not as if he walked up to her and said, "Listen to me, you bald b-word. We only want people with hair to show like this." He made a joke. Yeah. He said she's going to be in GI Jane too. No, I get that, but that's like in uh, someone with, uh, you know, one leg or something like that. You know, it's just inappropriate. He he knew well, you know, that she has issues. That's why she has her hair. So was like Will? That. Would you have done what Will Smith did if this was your wife? Yeah, I told my girlfriend today really? when she said, "Oh my God," I said, "Listen, if someone said something like that to you, I would probably do the same thing." I mean, he slapped him. He didn't punch him. It would have been a little different if he did a closed fist. He basically, you know, whatever you want to call it, he slapped him. I mean, when you're at that level, um, I don't know, you know, but I, you know, I didn't know what he was going to do when I saw the video. Like he looked like he was walking up to maybe, you know, mess around with him a little bit, but he offended his wife. And, you know, and I, I think Will Smith has enough issues going on with her. So I actually, on this one, I'm on Will Smith's side. I don't agree with like the violence, uh, you know, you got to control yourself and control your behavior. But I think he was, Okay. All right. Now, Ted, I'm getting a lot of emails and a lot of Facebook correspondents that think this was staged. Do you think it was staged? No, I don't. No, I'm with you. I don't either. When he was when he was cursing, you know, I I mean, I saw the video on on on, you know, I Googled it and uh, they had, you know, what he was saying with the curse words. No, absolutely not. He kind of like, you know, he lost his cool a little bit. And then I heard like Denzel Washington and uh and uh, uh, Cooper were, uh, like, trying to, like, you know, calm him down a little bit. I, I guarantee uh, they're going to be on all the talk shows. You know he's going to be on all the talk shows and what's going on and protect your family, protect your wife. Uh, and I think, Chris, you know, I think Chris Cox just overstepped the boundary there. Um, you know, you don't make fun of somebody that's sick, in my opinion, you know, you know, regardless of comedian or not. That's yeah, not I, I hear you. know, it's funny. Uh, thank you, Ted. You know, it's funny. Let's I'm assuming he did know she had this condition. Um, and I'm assuming the joke was scripted, too. But, you know, um, it's funny. I played the clip of um, the uh, the former football player for the Jets, Mark Gastineau, calling into uh, the Greg Kelly show. And I thought he sounded like he was drunk. Right. And I played this clip and a lot of listeners said the same thing to me at the time. that He sounded drunk. And so then um, after I played this clip, a whole bunch of people emailed me and said, well, you know, he has Alzheimer's and a whole bunch of other issues, too. And so I immediately apologized, uh, for, you know, to, to him and everybody else that, um, you know, that has like that because I didn't know. So, I mean, it is possible that he didn't know. 
But um, I don't know. I still think Will Smith's reaction, I think it was a little over the top. I do. Uh, again, I'm all for defending the honor of a woman. Look, if you're in a bar somewhere and somebody, um, you know, smacks your girlfriend or your wife's buttocks, that's it. I mean, forget about it. All bets are off. World War Three. I don't. I don't care if you have to. You know. I mean, know you're getting beat up. As a gentleman, you have to do the right thing and beat the hell out of that guy. You have to. You have to. But. In this context where it's a comedian making jokes and he's making jokes about everybody and then the wheel lands on Jada, I don't know. Look, you benefit from public adulation. Does that mean you should have to develop a thicker skin when you're the butt of a joke that's meant to entertain the public? 800-848-9222. Kat is in Massachusetts. Hello, Kat. I am so annoyed about this whole conversation. You know, I, I watched the movie a couple of months ago. I don't, I don't know if I got it free on, like, like some streaming thing, HBO or Amazon, whatever. So I watched it. I thought, I said, I watched the movie and I said, you know what? He should be nominated for the Academy Award. It was awesome. And I'm from a childhood in Malden, Massachusetts, where in the 70s, like, all of a sudden, they were going to teach us how to play tennis. So I totally understood that whole thing. And I feel like what he did tonight and yeah. what I feel like he's taken away the whole benefit of the movie. Well, totally. He I... made it. He made it. And now he's making it personal where I'm like, OK, you two people are so rich, like you don't have a thick skin. I completely agree with you, Kat. And I would also add that I think he's also um De- denying an opportunity for Coda and for the first male deaf actor in, yes, uh, that won yes, the Academy yes. Award history the f- the to get their you due mentioned credit. The Coda. Yeah. I didn't even know about that movie till the other day, and I thought, hey, I live in Ipswich, and I haven't even heard about this movie. So I watched the, the trailer, and I was like, oh, my God, that movie looks so good. I'm going to have to watch it eventually because I'm I'm a very movie person. I don't care if it's like three hours, four hours. I don't care if it's a good movie. It's a good movie. But I'm so glad that you you you, you are talking about the whole thing with um, the King Richard because people need to understand that you know what, like because we're uh, we're now talking about everybody like poor people have to like benefit blah blah blah. Well, that's how I benefited. When I was a young kid, when we when we learned tennis, oh my God! It's like I ended up being like it, it helped me so much through public school, even though I'm a white person. But it helped me. That's wonderful. And I, and I feel like what you're talking about tonight that the the whole Academy Awards. It's like this guy, and I like him. I like Will Smith, and I'm thinking. They're so out of touch. Like all these Hollywood people, they're so out of touch. They have no idea that regular people, working people, that a lot of what their movies are about, it's about them. It's about the you're regular right. working yeah, Kat, people. I, I think you're right, Kat. Thank you. Great call. I'm glad you. So did you? Did you see Coda yet? I know you said it looked good. No, I want. I want. Yeah, to. check it I out. I think you're the, really going to like it. And then call oh, me back or write awesome. to me and let me know what you thought. I will. Thank you. Thanks, Kat. 800-848-9222. I think what she said, and look, I think ultimately this is a net benefit to the Oscars. I received one email from a, a fella that said he tuned out after a half hour 
and missed all this drama. And the first he heard about this was me talking about it. But I think this is going to be a net benefit to the Academy Awards because of all the publicity. But it does take away from the recognition and the celebration of some very fine art. Coda was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, and you, as Cap pointed out, Will Smith's performance in King Richard, it was great. It was. So now nobody's talking about how good of a film that was or how good Coda was or how good Belfast was. Have you heard the name Kenneth Branagh today? Now, I'm going to talk about Belfast later. My wife and I did get to see that Friday. We uh, ordered, uh, or we, you know, I'll tell you about it later. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll continue with your calls in a minute. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. The Drifters, Saturday night at the movies. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I don't know if you heard me on with Curtis Lewa on his... So one of the seven weekend shows that he does, he's on from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., Sunday night into Monday, and he's kind enough to have me on for the last few minutes. But what I said to him uh, was sincere, which is, you know, his birthday was Saturday, or I think it was Saturday, right? Saturday. So I called in to his show to wish him a happy birthday, and I waited on hold a while through a, a cascade of callers Almost every one of whom was bashing me. There were a couple people that praised me. Thank you. With the the few but the proud. Thank you. Um, but um, I was so annoyed at the end of the show. Like, I know the show's over, but I'm staying on hold. I'm expecting the telephone talent coordinator to come on and say, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of time. Sorry, the show's over. Sorry, call back tomorrow. And instead, they just hang up on me. I found that to be so incredibly rude. And uh, I don't know what I I've been a call screener. I would never do that to someone unless someone deserved it, unless someone's being harassing and keeps calling just for the sake of tying up a phone line. Philippe, do you do that with people? Oh, yeah, you do. Why? Uh, it just it, it saves me a lot of time. It's just, it's it's a time I'm trying but to be as efficient as possible. Don't you think that? Those people are then less likely to listen to the show in the future. Trust me, they call back every day. Well, I, I find it. Don't do that. Be nice to the calls. You're going to let them go. Say, I'm sorry. You know, we're not going to take your call right now. See, I, I used to do that like early into my call screening career. And then what happened? And it's, you know what? It's the job's got to me. <laughs> it's, it's gotten you, I, to me. You've been working here for a month. When did the job got to you? When I'm were you for so? Like six months. Six, oh, six months. I'm almost Excuse like a full me. pregnancy. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot you were such a grizzled veteran. I must say you are pretty good at this for Thank having you. done this for only six months. But don't don't just hang up on people. Politely dismiss them. Again, unless they're being harassing. I had no idea that went on here. I'm glad. This is my opportunity to get on the inside. So anyway, I was listening to Curtis on uh, a Saturday. And this is Friday into Saturday. And there's this one caller 
This lady, she calls every show under, like, she's got about 10 different names, but her voice is unmistakable. Unlike Steve from Manhattan, she doesn't go to the trouble or uh, Phil from the Bronx or Paul from the Bronx slash Sean from the Bronx slash Irishman from the Bronx. They don't go to the, she doesn't go to the trouble of disguising her voice. This lady has been calling talk radio for eight years, mainly complaining about me and and praising Republicans. That's the only two things I've ever heard her say. So this is what uh, this is what she said to Curtis on Saturday. Happy birthday, Curtis. You get better and better every weekend, um, Curtis. We wish you were on every single night. We can't stand Frank Morano. He he doesn't take calls from people that that disagree with him. He oh, oh so he he likes people who only stroke him, uh, who only patronize him, who only extol him instead of possibly criticize what he has to say. Yes, yes, honey. Uh, yes. And, yes, um, honey. you know, he blames everything on Republicans and we're sick of this. He, he's not that, you know, he's born, he's 1984, I think. So he's 38 or 39 years old. He's not that well knowledge in politics. He's not. And uh, he blames everything on the Republicans. We just can't stand him. Now, now, when she says we wish you were on every night or we just can't stand him, who is the we that she's talking about? Now, I am not a guy, I don't consider myself a super intelligent person. I consider myself someone of average intelligence at best, right? You know, when it comes to certain aspects of electoral politics, maybe I'm above average intelligence. But that's it. I'm not sitting here pretending to be some great political guru. Uh, I do not blame everything on the Republicans. Did you hear me doing that during the 11 years of Andrew Cuomo's reign of terror? Did you hear me doing that during the mayoral race? Was there a better advocate for Curtis Lewa during the mayoral race than me? I mean, that's a lady. Now, um, that's a lady. I was going to say something very, very terrible. So I, I stopped myself because of the Chris Rock situation and because, you know, I'm trying to be. Trying to, I'm trying to do the right thing during the Lenten season. But this is a lady who is just crazy. She's obsessed with me. She's blinded by partisanship. And when she says we just can't stand them and we wish you were on every night, I'd love to know if there's more than one other person. And what she wants to question my knowledge of politics. As I was saying, I got on a uh, a, a tangent. Um. I don't consider myself super knowledgeable, but here's one thing I'm certain of. I know more about politics than she does. I will guarantee you that. I'll challenge that lady to a citizenship test any day of the week that she's ready. Uh, And I do take calls from people that disagree with me. You know why? Because I'm all over the place on the issues. People disagree. Now, I appreciated that call less than the call you're about to hear, because here is a caller. Once she's got, I think she's called me before and, and I think she, I remember her being nice to me. So I was surprised that she kind of took a shot at me with Curtis, but that's fine. Um, she's got a nice radio voice. In fact, you're going to listen to this caller's voice. It's kind of, um, it's almost kind of a sexy voice, you know, not in a sultry, you know, uh, Kathleen Turner kind of a way or, or Lauren Bacall's type of way, 
but it's more of a, oh, you know, the, the, this is a girl or a woman who sounds as if she's a nice looking woman, right? I mean, you're going to hear this in the voice. And she has a very specific targeted criticism. And now, I'm not immune from criticism. Uh, I'm I'm very capable of taking criticism. We do our gaff hours where we invite people to get at Frank for all hour, criticize me as much as they want. And this was a very thoughtful critique on the Saturday edition of Another Side of Midnight. Anyway, let's go to Mel, who's calling from Tom's River. Your turn to be heard here on this, the 68th birthday of yours truly, Curtis Lee. Mel. Curtis, happy birthday, first of all. I know you've seen better days. And your your best days are ahead of you, my darling. Oh, well, thanks. Your best days are ahead of you. And I concur with the lady that was just on. I wish you were on every night at midnight. Wow. Frank Morano does good interviews. Oh, I will best. give him that. The best. The really, best. The best. He, he, he nails it. He really does. I'm going to give him that. But that's as far as it goes. He needs to keep interviewing. I can't listen to him go on and on and on about his life. I, I turned him off last night because it's a snooze fest. Well, you I see what it is. Know. You see what yeah, it is. I don't need to know that 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 Arthur Idalo. He sounds <laughs> like a really nice guy. I don't need to know. You know, the pots and pans of him and Frank's life, that he was almost Frank's best man, that he was almost godfathered a little karma. I don't I don't I don't I don't care about that. Yeah, well, I, let I, me I'm tell you, let me tell you something. But no. I don't. No, well, well, let me tell you. First off, this is ironic, right? I'm at Frank Morano's wedding in Staten Island. A lot of people were there. They knew Frank. They knew Rachel, you know, two different families. OK, we're there. And he has his friend Arthur Idala doing everything. I mean everything. And I'm scratching my head and saying, you know, I, I've been with Frank a long time. He doesn't ask me to do anything. Instead, he sits me down. And you know who he sits me down near? John Gotti Jr. No, John Gotti Jr. and all the Gottis and Gambinos. Yeah, and he, he, he seems to go on like that's a badge of honor. He talks about that all the time. Who cares? I, I, well, I, I really, I really don't, I really don't care. Just stick to interviewing Frank and less about your, your personal life because it's boring. And the first movie Ernest Borgnine was in was called Marty oh, and he won an Oscar. Well, that was so good, that movie. He was a mama Luke, remember? It was a butcher, come home. It was like a real Bronx story. It could be Brooklyn, it could be Queens. Anyway, it was. He had a hard time getting a date. Yeah, it was, I'm telling you. I love that movie because it was so real. Ernest Borgnine in Marty. Marty! Mel was so right. Frank Morano, top interviewer here at WABC. He may well end up doing uh, interviews on 60 Minutes soon. You know how they always have like a guest interviewer once a month. Uh, as they have that guy. Who is that guy from CNN? Always comes over there like once a month to do interviews. Lousy. Lousy on CNN. Lousy on 60 Minutes. But Frank does excellent interviews, as he did with Paul Manfred, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and then Roger Stone. He may well be earning a Marconi Award. I know his name has been put into nomination for interviews. But when he talks about, yeah, the other stuff, I got to agree with Mel and Sherry. He's like a dollar short day late. He's trying. He's JV when it comes to that personal (laughs) stuff. He's JV. He just doesn't. 
Doesn't have the chops for it yet. Wow, wow, wow. Please. Now, um, for starters, let me address Mel. Uh, and again, I have no issue with what she said. Maybe she's right. Maybe I do talk about my personal life uh, too much. I feel like people do like it, but I really only do four or, f- four or five minutes in the course of an hour. You know, we do have a log of what I'm talking about, and it's really only four or five minutes per hour, so it's not that much, Mel. Really? Second, second the fact that she can repeat verbatim what I was saying about Arthur Idala the other day is very telling. She's paying pretty close attention. Third, Curtis, I mean, this is not much of a surprise. Curtis is uh, being completely dishonest. And, and it's not dishonesty, it's showmanship. I did not seat him next to John Gotti Jr. He and John Gotti Jr. were seated on opposite ends of the room. You could not get farther from one another than Curtis and John Gotti Jr. were. There was no, there was no whiff of, of interaction. There was a, there was a, a sea of people, a bowl, there was a sea of humanity between Curtis and John Gotti Jr. There was no seating next to John Gotti Jr. That's nonsense. I have the table chart still. Lest anyone doubt me. Uh, by the way, I want to thank John Hoffman. He watched the entire Oscars. He says, no mention of my cousin Vinny. Isn't that a shame? So I was glad they did the 60th anniversary of Bond. I was glad they did the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. Uh, I'm glad they did the um, 70th anniversary of Singing in the Rain. Glad they did the 30th anniversary of White Men Can't Jump. Why would they not do... The 30th anniversary of My Cousin Vinny. Marissa Tomei won an Academy Award for that movie. I mean, her biological clock was ticking. Wouldn't it have been great to have Joe Pesci out there with Marissa Tomei? And I know Joe Pesci doesn't like to do a lot of this stuff. Joe Pesci out there with Marissa Tomei and Ralph Macchio and that guy who nobody knows who's Ralph Macchio's friend in the movie, Stan. Wouldn't that have been great? I would have liked that. It would have been fun. Um, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Carol in New Jersey has been patiently holding. Hello, Carol. Oh, hi there, Frank. I have so many things I could talk about, but I don't want to take time away from other people. That's very thoughtful. You were right about, you were right about my cousin, Jenny. I can't believe that they, it's like they totally forgot them. <laughs> It's yeah, terrible. well, why do you think that was? Because, look, Joe Pesci's an Oscar winner. Marissa mm-hmm. Tomei's an Oscar winner. Why do you think that film was neglected, whereas other films like um, White Men Can't Jump, which don't have any Oscars in it, in, winners yeah. in it, that they that film was recognized? Frank, I think it was just neglect. You use a perfect word. Somebody forgot about it. Somebody on the panel people. I don't think so. I mean, maybe, maybe they picked White Men Can't Jump because... There's a prominent black actor in it, and that's the direction the Academy is going these days. Although, keep in mind, Wesley Snipes is also a convicted felon, having gone to prison for tax evasion. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wanted to mention quickly, uh, this is not uh, the first time that, um, what the heck is his his name? I'm forgetting it now. Uh, The Will Smith situation. This isn't the first time that he's been in trouble. You know who I'm thinking of. I can't write it for some reason. I can't remember his name. You know, the announcer, the presenter. Oh, Chris Rock, you mean? Chris Rock, right. I don't know how I could forget his name. Yeah, he got into trouble at the Grammy Awards several years ago for saying something, a similar thing, or saying something that had people shaking their heads. 
So this this is not the first time that he's done that. You know what, though, uh, Carol, the way I feel is they're comedians. You have to give them some leeway. And are some people Mm going to be offended? Yes. But I don't think you deserve to get smacked for making a joke that some people find offensive. You remember when Imus gave the uh, White House Correspondents Dinner and he made all those tawdry jokes about Bill Clinton? You know, Bill Clinton Mm -hmm. was gracious. He didn't go up there and smack him. Right. Right. And the other thing is that he, um, Will Smith, should not have used that word because there was young children that were nominated for awards like uh, Judah Hill. Uh, from Belfast. Mm. Was that the kid who plays Buddy in Belfast? Yeah, he plays the Kenneth Branagh character. Oh, yeah, he he was great. My wife fell in love with him. Oh, he's so cute, really. And I think Kenneth Branagh got short shrift. I think, you know, he should have won a directing award. Well, didn't he win win for Best uh, Original Screenplay? Um, you know, I'm not sure about that. I yeah, he won for Best one. Original Screenplay, which I was glad about. But he was nominated for quite a few awards sure, sure. for that film. And he should have been. Yeah, no, I'm going to talk about Belfast a little bit later. I thought it was a great uh, great film. Oh. Thank you, Carol. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a minute. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Well, I hate to bring it up because I know you got enough pressure on you already. But we agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. Meanwhile, 10 years later, my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. W.A.B.C. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 W.A.B.C. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire Clothes may still be torn and tattered, but in my heart I'd be a king. Your love is all that ever mattered. It's This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, we'll continue with your calls in just a minute. A lot of people have been waiting patiently. I will get to everybody, I promise you. Now, uh, we'll t- commendations coming up in 10 minutes. I want to give Mel uh, in Tom's River a 10-second warning to tune out because I'm about to discuss some very slight aspects of my personal life for about three minutes. And then you could tune back in. You've been warned, Mel. If you're still listening, you're listening on your own recognizance. Can't be held responsible for what you're about to hear. So Sunday was uh, my wife Rachel's birthday. So we sort of celebrated her birthday all weekend. Friday, uh, we were going to go out to dinner, uh, but uh, we couldn't get my mom to come over and babysit until a little later. 
and uh, Carmine goes to bed, you know, depending on the night, maybe 8, 8.30. So my mom was not going to be able to come over until around 7.30 or so. So we decided we would stay in and order a motion picture and uh, order dinner. So that's what we did. We watched Belfast uh, and we we ordered some some food from a nearby restaurant. So we had a nice night in on Friday, kind of quiet. It was nice not to be, not to be anywhere. Saturday, we drove out to Long Island and had a birthday celebration with her family who lives out there. We were with six of her, her eight siblings. It was great fun to see everybody. And, um, you know, her brother, Josh, who uh, has been on this show and listens to this show, he gave one of the best descriptions of why you should listen to the show. He said, and I, I should have asked, I should have written it down when he said it, but he said, you know why people like your show and why it's doing so well? Because you really never know what you're going to get. Is from minute to minute, you just never know. You could hear current events one minute and then you talking to a, 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 a comedian from 90 years ago. <laughs> the next. And I think there's some truth to that. So we did that on Saturday and on Sunday we um we went to my my dad's and had uh, a birthday cake for her there. So it was a, a Rachel birthday weekend. Came back, watched a little bit of the Academy Awards and uh, while I worked on the show and some other things. So it was a fun weekend and it was a you know, we didn't really do anything too crazy. I mean, the drive out to Long Island was was tough. There was a lot of traffic driving out there. Um, I think it was about two hours. I slept the entire way. It was one of those moments where I think we were late leaving the house on Saturday. And because I was, you know, I had a call with my life insurance broker, Catherine, and I could tell that my wife was annoyed with me. And, you know, she didn't say it. She just maybe she did. But she you could tell by her tone that she was annoyed with me. So she was not really in the mood to talk to me. So I said, all right, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. So I slept the whole ride out there. And you'd be amazed when you're not drinking any caffeinated beverages how easy it is to fall asleep just like that. So I slept the whole way out there. And thankfully, so did our son. Slept the whole way out there. And we both slept basically the whole way back as well, which was uh, which was nice. But it was a good weekend overall. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to, oh, we got Charlie Finch, uh, calling in from the East Village. Hello, Charlie. God bless you and your family, Frank. Remember, everyone thought Marissa, thank you. Remember, everyone thought Marissa Tomei falsely won the Oscar. That's why they don't bring up my cousin Vinny. Mm. Razor, Frank. Mm. Speaking of when Biden, four quick points, and I'll go back to your wonderful show listening. Sure. One. Pelosi, Biden, Schiff, and the gang, as we all know, spent three years building up Putin against Trump with a phony Russian hoax. There's no accountability. They should be in jail, in my view, Frank. And Putin believes them. The Biden policy number two is the boy who cried wolf. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. And they came. That's a policy, Frank. That's a disgracia. Three, on Biden's rhetoric, and we all love Biden, right? He said, ironically, I appreciate, you know, I know I don't, I worked up for four Democratic senators, not Biden. He's just flipping the switch. They could write the same speech about Trump. He mm. doesn't know what he's saying. He thinks he's pointing on, finally, on Ukraine. And I live in a Ukrainian neighborhood. I got Ukrainian friends here in the East Village. We've been at the center of this. I walk out on my cane on the street, and I can barely walk anymore. 
Who knew when I moved in here 45 years ago from Yorkville, we'd been funding the stupid war, which has to end. And Keith Abloh and I are working on it. But food is the key. Do you know, Frank, that the Chai Comps are completely dependent on the American heartland for food? And do you know the biggest producer of food in that region where they have 95% rainfall is the Ukraine? And that China and all these other countries like Turkey that have deals with Ukraine, it's about food. Who needs food? Russia. Okay? Got it. Love you, Frank. Thank Back you, with- Charlie. Any questions? Any questions? Okay. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Bobby on Long Island. Hello, Bobby. Hey, Frank. Happy morrow. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Listen, I just need to get something off my chest, okay? I'm a veteran. I'm disabled. And if I wasn't, I'd probably want to be in the service again. But my grandson, he just turned 18 last month. And uh, he was going to go into the Marines. And then two days later, they, uh, Russia invaded. And we kind of talked him out of it. Plus, the recruiter wasn't too cool. But you, I don't want, I love this kid. I don't want to see him get drafted or anything. But when, when I was in the service in the early 70s, it was such a proud thing to say, we fight for peace. And you think that's gone these days? I don't think that's around no more, mm. no. Mm. Well, Bobby, be- congratulations to your son on turning 18. Thank you for your service as well. Thanks for calling. Corey's in Brooklyn. Hello, Corey. Hello, Frank. Uh, I think you're dead on balls accurate about a lot of things. I could say that, right? Um, if Marissa Tomei can Matt- say it, you can say it. All right, great. But I'm kind of leaning towards Matt's opinion about the slap, I mean, it kind of looked like when Donald Trump clotheslined Vince McMahon. A little bit. You know, right, uh, if Will Smith really wanted to give Chris Rock a good one, was it appropriate? No, I don't think so. But Chris Rock also went out to Howard Beach and wanted uh, to change... Father Capadano Boulevard into Tupac Shakur Boulevard if you ever watch the Chris Rock show, and nobody slapped him. Right. Well, because I think people knew that it was a joke. Right. And so is Curtis's shtick. And you guys are best friends, like, and so if people can't realize that, then that's their problem. Thank you, Corey. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Gino is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gino. Hello. Now we're going to get prepared to watch the apology tour for the next few days from poor Will Smith for what he did. But you know who we could blame for all this? We could blame political correctness and, and the academy, right? Because everybody wanted to hear the minority voice being produced now with with all these films that got greenlit, this movie would have never even been made if it wasn't for political correctness, right? And the other person who should really get slapped is Will Smith to agree to be in a movie about those two men that play tennis. Well, they're not men. Yeah, well, you get a good look at them. (laughs) The point is this movie would have never even been made if it wasn't for political correctness. Well, well, you know what it is? It is, I'm only halfway done with it, but... uh, 
I think it is a pretty good movie. I mean, irrespective of how much of it may not be true. Uh, I'm not disputing what you're saying. But look, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to make more films to appeal to black audiences. What's wrong with that? Um, and if they're going to be made, why not have them be good movies? This is a good movie. I mean, again, I'm only halfway through it, but so far we're enjoying it very much. I think it's good. But um, so, look, uh, so be it. But, yeah, I think you're right, Gino, in that we are poised for a Will Smith apology tour. And he'll probably end up being an even bigger star if that's possible. All right. Coming up in just a minute, we will do commendations and we'll continue with your calls. No guests from now until five. So plenty of opportunity for you and I to chat. One more reason, though, for Mel and Tom's River to tune out. No interview. All right. Until um, until next hour. Keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight i'm frank morano um by the way speaking just lastly on the wife birthday situation at her request her sisters on saturday got her an ice cream cake now again i've been during lent because i'm staying away from booze and uh, just with my possible acid reflux i'm trying to stay away from all bad foods I haven't really been eating, but I had a small little sliver of birthday cake with her on um, on Saturday. I got to tell you, I do not understand one thing. You know what really grinds my gears? Why do they still make any other cake other than ice cream cake? Ice cream cake is just amazing. It's just wonderful. R- almost every other type of cake I find to be Totally mediocre. Totally mediocre. Now, my stepmother did make her a good cake, like a cheese cheesecake with a caramel frosting, homemade caramel frosting on Sunday. That was good. But I tell you, I've had I've sat through so many birthdays where you eat the this sheet cake and it all tastes the same. The frosting all tastes the same. The spongy, cakey part of it all tastes the same. And you all at least whenever I'm having one of those slices of cake, and I don't like cake. I only get it because if you've ever tried being, tried being the guy at the birthday party that doesn't want to have a slice of cake, oh, come on, you got to have a slice of cake. You know what really grinds my gears? Oh, uh, it's bad luck not to have a slice of birthday cake. All right, I'll have a slice. Okay. <gasps> and then the, I, I don't, I don't like almost any type of cake that you buy. Um, it's all weak as far as I'm concerned. But I'm a pie guy, right? I like pie. I would have, if I ever had a birthday party, I would want, if not an ice cream cake, a birthday pot. But wouldn't that be nice? Think of what a nice surprise that would be. Oh, are we having the same ridiculous sheet cake that we always have? Oh, no, we're having a nice birthday pie. Ooh, a pie, people would say. Let's get nuts. Is it cherry? 
Is it uh, blueberry? Is it peach? Is it apple? You never know. So um, that's my two cents. But on the ice cream cake issue, now ice cream cake is great, but one of my very few issues with ice cream cake is this. Wherever you go, it's very difficult to find an ice cream cake that's not the same flavor formula. You know what I'm saying? So you have an ice cream cake, whether it's from Carvel or Baskin Robbins or whatever, even a smaller shop, it's almost always three layers. Vanilla on top, then a layer of chocolate crunchies, and then on the bottom, it's chocolate ice cream. Now, for me, I don't really like the chocolate ice cream. So I would like if, again, I think my wife enjoyed this cake just fine. So did I. But um, if I were had my druthers, I would love to have an ice cream cake of just vanilla with some of those chocolate crunchies. I think I had one once when I was about 13. And I think my parents had to search far and wide uh, all over the place to find one of these cakes. But you never see that. You, you've noticed that they never really give you an opportunity to choose your cake flavor like you can with with regular ice cream. Why? Why is that? Is there just an assembly line uh, that makes these ice cream cakes this way? But it's observations on things that I've observed. All right. Without further ado, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... Commendations. Obviously, we are going to have to give a commendation to the countries of Australia and Japan for airing uncensored broadcasts of the Academy Awards. So good for them. And thanks to them, we were able to get that audio, which was more than what most American audiences heard on television. I must also commend the New Orleans School Board. That's right. They have finally reversed a little-known ban on jazz. That's right. The New Orleans School Board has unanimously reversed a little-known but century-old ban on jazz in schools in a city which played a huge role in developing jazz and where it is still played nightly at various venues. Of all the places that you'd think jazz would not be banned, you'd think it would be in New Orleans schools. I think it's great that now they've lifted this ban. So good for you, school board. Probably was in place for way too long. Not sure why it was in place to begin with. I want to commend Neil Johnson. Neil Johnson is a hero doorman that works in the plaza. A nine-year-old girl from Florida was visiting New York with her mother, and her mom was sucker punched in the head while they were walking near Central Park. And this doorman, Neil Johnson, at the plaza, made sure the assailant couldn't flee before the cops showed up. The suspect, Raheem Ramsaran, allegedly punched the young tourist in the left side of her head on the corner of Central Park South and Grand Army Plaza. And Neil Johnson was at his job, at the doorman at the Plaza Hotel, when he heard the suspect yelling and he ran to the scene to help. He sees the woman crying and they're running away from this guy and he's walking fast toward them. So this doorman gets in between the nine-year-old and her mom and this crazy guy running towards them. 
And then another guy joins him, who apparently saw the whole thing happen, and they just made sure that this person couldn't leave. The doorman said he saw the poor girl holding her head. Oh, it was the, it was the girl, not the mom. That was sucker punch. The nine-year-old girl, imagine? Nine-year-old girl, sucker punch in the head. And he called the cops while he was trying to make sure the suspect didn't attack her again. That's what makes New York City great. The doormen of this city. That's who is watching our building. Love it. Uh, I want to commend Uber. Uh, I've been critical of Uber from time to time and with good reason. Well, I absolutely love this deal that was brokered. I believe it was on Thursday of last week. Uber, you will now be able to hail a yellow New York City taxi or a green New York City taxi, an out-of-borough taxi, on Uber. This is great. This is a tremendous lifeline for the taxi industry, an industry which has suffered tremendously over the years. And John McDonough, from the very first time that he was on this show, has called for this to be in place. And I'm thrilled that it finally is. So uh, uh, kudos to you, Uber, for going along with this. Now, I have always had the app that lets you hail a taxi. It's called Arrow, A-R-R-O. Now you only need one app. You can call a town car or you can call a taxi all using the same app. I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing for the taxi drivers and it's a great thing for the consumers. A lot of consumers want to take a yellow taxi. But they don't even know about these apps. Those apps that allowed you to call the yellow taxi with the worst publicized things in the world. I want to commend coffee. New study shows that drinking coffee could benefit your heart and help you live longer. That's right. Drinking two to three cups of coffee daily has been associated with a 10 to 15 percent lower risk of getting heart disease heart failure or a heart rhythm problem or dying early for any reason. That's according to three research abstracts that were published on Thursday. So this is big news. That is statistically significant. A 10 to 15 percent less of a chance of dying for any reason. It's big. As soon as I get my uh, acid reflux fully under control, I'm going to go back to drinking coffee regular, regularly. I want to, um, even though they lost yesterday in a, in a very lopsided game, I want to give a wholehearted commendation to the St. Peter's Peacocks. This team, what they did in the NCAA tournament this year is just remarkable. They had three victories in a row that nobody ever expected. They're the first 15-seeded team ever to uh, make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, the fact that they were even in the Sweet 16 to begin with was sort of amazing, a tremendous Cinderella story. And they made it this far. This is a commuter school in Jersey City. This is a school I never even heard of. This school in Jersey is smaller than most high schools on Staten Island. And they made it. To the Elite Eight. It's amazing. This is an amazing Cinderella story. Had they won Sunday against the Tar Heels, they would have made a movie about this team. But I am glad that the mayor of Jersey City, Stephen Fulop, is giving these young men a parade. They certainly deserve it. I don't even care about college basketball. And I was glued 
to the television set on Friday watching this game and glued again on Sunday watching that game and rooting rooting for this team. And I was so disappointed when they were eliminated, but they did better than anyone ever expected. And uh, good for them. And I think a lot of these young men have a bright future. And I think the school is going to have a bright future. I want to commend the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Dallas-Fort Worth area is leading the United States in metro population growth from 2020 to 2021. From July of 2020 to July of 21, Dallas-Fort Worth racked up the largest population gain of any U.S. metro area. Now, you take into account births, deaths, move-ins, move-outs, and the Dallas-Fort Worth population grew by 97,290 during that one-year period. That's huge. There's a lot of city, there's a lot of small towns that don't have 100,000 people. That is incredible. Not surprisingly, Houston, or as the Texans call it, Houston, ranked third in terms of area growth. Austin, Ranked fourth. San Antonio ranked eighth. Gee, why is everybody moving to Texas? Huh. You think maybe it's the fact that they have no income tax? You think maybe it's the fact that they hadn't, they didn't close restaurants for forever? You think maybe it's the fact that they make these kids wear masks going to school? Turns out some people like that stuff. Go figure. Huh. Who knew? I want to give a commendation to Mike Tyson. So a man, a a man, this is all caught on video. Mike Tyson was at a club in L.A. And you see the video footage of a man pulling a gun on Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was completely unfazed. And this was at a comedy club in Hollywood. Mike Tyson was completely unfazed and talk this guy down. And when you think about people that are level-headed and calm and are capable of talking people out of fights, I think most people don't think of Mike Tyson. And yet that's precisely what this guy did here. This is a guy um, who was crazed. The gunman was gesticulating wildly. He was out of control. And Mike Tyson has such a calm demeanor as... I mean, somebody pulls a gun out on me, I'm probably wetting my pants. Mike Tyson, cool as a cucumber. And he offers the guy a hug. And the guy takes it. And instead of shooting someone or somebody getting hurt, Mike Tyson gives this guy a hug. I think Mike Tyson is to be commended for diffusing what could have potentially have been a violent, very dangerous situation. Not just for Mike Tyson... And this this gunman, who we don't know because Mike Tyson let him go without calling the police, but for everybody else in that comedy club. I want to commend the Dutch royal family. They're allowing Ukrainian refugees to stay in one of their castles. It's one of their castles that they generally use on the weekend. Now, up to 30 people fleeing the conflict are going to be housed at their castle in Appledorn. And I know it's only 30 people out of 3.6 million refugees, and that's sort of just a, I don't know, it's not even a dent in the situation. But I think it sends an important message that um, at least these 
these folks are willing to give whatever the property they have to, you know, to people in need. There, are, Look, however you feel about things that are happening in Ukraine right now, the people that are forced to leave their homes because they don't want to get killed or the people forced to flee their country that they've lived in their entire life because their house doesn't exist anymore. These people had nothing to do with anything going on with geopolitics. So I give a lot of credit to anybody that's willing to house one of these Ukrainian refugees, including the Dutch royal family. I think it sets a great example for people. I want to give a commendation to Jack Jarvis. Jack Jarvis is a British soldier who has rowed, that's right, in a rowboat, rowed across the Atlantic Ocean alone, finishing in South Florida. He started in his journey in Portugal on on December 21st, 2021. Since then, he has rowed 14 to 15 hours a day to break the world record for the longest solo transatlantic row. And we believe that he's the first person ever to row across the Atlantic. That is amazing. For the mission account of Solo, he couldn't get any resources from other vessels or accept a tow while traveling. So his contact with family, friends, and social media came only when he was close enough to land to get reception. Imagine that. December to late March in a rowboat. Wow. He described the journey as very repetitive. You wake up at half four, start rowing at five, and then in three to four hour shifts, you row through the day. All your food is out of a packet. It tastes very similar. Well, I'm sure all of you guys that enjoy having the same lunch every day wouldn't have minded. The journey was about 4,500 nautical miles and took 111 days to compete. And this is the other reason I'm giving him a commendation. His inspiration for doing this was to raise money for the charity that helped care for his grandfather in his final days suffering from brain cancer. That's great. That's great. It's um, it's a charity called Brain Trust. And he raised about uh, $106,000 um, for that charity, Brain Trust. So I think that's great. Great news. A tremendous athletic accomplishment. A tremendous psychological and mental accomplishment as well. And the fact that he did it for such a great charity makes it all the more special. And finally, I want to commend uh, the hero dog, Cooter. He is a Rhode Island dog. And firefighters in Rhode Island said that a family was able to escape their house fire without injuries thanks to the heroic actions of their pet dog. The Hopkins Hill Fire Chief, Frank Brown, said the family of five was alerted to fire at their home early Thursday morning when they were awakened by their dog. The fire started on the exterior structure, and the dog was pretty active in the house, and they got up to see what was going on, they saw the fire out on the porch through the sliding glass door. It's a real good story for that dog, and he was able to do that and rescue his family. So that's nice. I like that. I'm trying to remember. I um, there was my I was in a fire. A, a house I was in was on fire one time, and the fire department was coming, and it was not you know a serious fire. 
But I think my mom's dog, Watson, woke me that day, too, that the fire department was here. And, you know, dogs are very, very good with that kind of a thing. They really are. Great sense of smell, which helps with that sort of thing. All right. Um, I'll take your calls in just a minute. If you have any re- reaction to my commendations or anything else we've covered today, you're welcome to give me a call. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. by Lenny Kravitz. This is a Matt Blaze selection. You could tell Matt Blaze selection. I certainly can. Um, hey, I want to give credit for... Uh, I want to give credit where credit's due, and that's to New York City Mayor Eric Adams. I watched for eight years on the streets of New York City as the homeless situation only got worse. And... Um, my heart went out for these people that are living on the street, but, and I realize there are broader legal issues here, but that even the Supreme Court has dealt with. I don't believe anybody has a constitutional right to live on a public sidewalk. And I I, I found the de Blasio administration approach really very heartless. I didn't find it compassionate at all to allow people to continue to live on the street. And basically what Eric Adams announced that he was doing on uh, on Saturday, and this has already begun, is removing people from these makeshift outdoor homeless encampments, these people living in hard cardboard boxes and elsewhere. These encampments, which the city defines on their website as a structure to live under, including but not limited to mattresses, tarps, tents, and camping setups, not only are they not adequate in terms of shelter, but it's really a horrible thing for the quality of life for everybody, not just the homeless, but for the pedestrians, the passersby, the people that work in these neighborhoods, the people that live in these neighborhoods. And again, very often, a lot of these folks uh, find themselves defecating on the street, urinating on the street. And um, you had the Bowery Mission on Saturday teaming with three other organizations in an effort to start steering the Midtown homeless into shelters. So I think this was really a very well-organized approach combining the resources of city government and the resources of the nonprofit sector, and I wish we'd had a mayor that would have done this long ago. But, you know, and especially you see all the stories about all these services for the homeless, these not only shelters, but in some cases apartments and hotels that are specifically earmarked for the homeless, which are not being used. People are sleeping on the streets while the hotels and the apartments that are earmarked for the homeless are only at 10% capacity. And... Once again, the people that I just can't relate to 
are these so-called homeless advocates. A city homeless advocacy group over the weekend slammed the mayor over his plan to remove these encampments. The policy director for um, the Coalition for the Homeless said, once again, Mayor Adams is demonstrating his lack of understanding of unsheltered homeless New Yorkers. His administration has no plan to provide safe single rooms where they can stay inside and is relying instead on the tired and cruel old tactic of chasing those without shelter out of Manhattan. Now, I won't dispute that conditions in many of these shelters could be significantly improved, and they should be. But I don't think the solution to the homeless problem is to allow people to continue to live on the street. So I say bravo to you, Eric Adams. Bravo to you. Now, let us turn to another prominent New York elected official who is not going to be so lucky to get my praise. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think I warned you about this before. See, I told you so. New York's Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin is now under investigation over fraudulent donations. Who told you about this? Who told you about this? Go back and listen to the podcast of this show. From the day this guy was appointed, I warned you that this was coming down the pike. I told you that this was coming down the pike. Federal prosecutors and the FBI are investigating whether New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin played a direct role, a role in directing fraudulent funds to his failed bid for controller last year. His campaign advisors and the state Senate have been subpoenaed in the matter, according to the New York Times. Prosecutors from the Southern District of New York have issued the grand jury subpoenas seeking documents from Benjamin's campaign committee, paid staffers, and consulting firms. Prosecutors more recently began seeking records from the state Senate, where Benjamin previously served and represented Harlem prior to being selected by Governor Hochul as his lieutenant governor. Benjamin has has not been accused of wrongdoing, but Harlem real estate investor Gerald Migdahl, who last year was charged with wire fraud, uh, aggravated identity theft, and other crimes, was accused of concocting a plan to misrepresent or conceal multiple illegal contributions to Benjamin's campaign. Come on! Of course this guy knew about it. What do you think? Brian Benjamin sat there with his eyes closed and his fingers in his ears saying, me, 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 oh, don't tell me, don't tell me what's, what's, where those contributions are coming from. I have no reason to suspect why all these people that I've never met and have never heard of and have never heard of me are all of a sudden contributing to my campaign. I don't want to know about it. Come on. Now, what I would guess here, and remember, this is not Brian Benjamin's only campaign uh, fundraising scandal. He also basically paid for his wedding with campaign money. Um, It's not clear if Migdal has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. I think he probably has. And I think this is what this is all about. What I can't figure out is why Kathy Hochul picked this guy to begin with. All this stuff was public record. I didn't have any inside sources that told me Brian Benjamin had shady campaign practices. The only thing I did was read the paper. 
Why couldn't Kathy Hochul do that? Um, so I don't know if she's going to try and bounce him from the ticket. She's going to have to do so soon. Um, I would think she should because she doesn't need this. She's in a competitive primary already and a competitive general. What does she need this for? Things were going so well for her. I don't know. 800-848-WABC if you want to comment on anything we have covered thus far. Uh, let me say hello to Phil in Teaneck, New Jersey. Hello, Phil. Hi, Frank. You know, it's so good to talk to you. I don't call because I don't like being on hold because I get stressed thinking about what I'm going to say and things like that. But well, don't stress. We'll just relax. It's all good. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, first of all, I want to be positive. And one of the things I love about you, and you know, I don't care what your politics are, I have, I'm totally open-minded, uh, but you're a positive person. And uh, I'm, I kind of sleep intermittently, but I always put you on when I do wake up. And right now, I got so upset hearing about the criticisms from Curtis that I had to get out of bed and make coffee and come down here and just call and wait to talk to you. I want to tell you that you have the best radio show I have heard since my father used to listen to Barry Gray and Barry Farber back in the 60s. Uh, you really are a treasure, and I want to thank you for that. And as far as Curtis, I've been loyal to him for all these years, and I contributed to his campaign even though I no longer live in the city. But listening to him bash you and seeing how negative he is, I really think he dodged the bullet, and, and I'm, I'm happy with Eric Adams compared to Curtis. Uh, well, wow. Phil, but, Phil, I'll just say, I think Curtis would have been a much better mayor, too. If you listen to Curtis, even when he's bashing me, he, he's promoting the show. Almost everything that he says is, that's why you have to listen to all four hours of The Other Side of Midnight. I mean, Curtis, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't get upset about it. In fact, I think it's very funny. And he's basically using his show to give my show a commercial the whole weekend. So I actually don't mind anything Curtis is saying. Well, I heard that from you, and I really appreciated your reaction. And you're so loyal to him. And, and then I turn him on, and he's bashing you. And I, you know, sometimes, yeah, like like, uh, like what you said, he, he admits you're a great interview and all that. It's true. And But the difference is that you promote him. I worry, because if he if he gets to me, he's he's too much into his own ambition because mm. I don't like to talk about taking you off and him instead. I don't like it. And if that ever does happen, that'll be the last time I listen to this radio station. And I'm ready to to Mr. Katsimatidis because I don't. I just don't like it. I don't like because people are too easily influenced. Well, so I that, appreciate that, Phil. I appreciate your kind words very much and your listenership and. uh and your your loyalty, thank you. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it at the time being. I really think it's all in good fun. I, I wouldn't worry about it. Well, here's another thing: you have a great sense of humor. You make very few people on the uh, on the radio or TV can make me laugh unless they're professional comedians. You have a great sense of humor, and you're positive. And I like hearing about your family and Carmine and everything. It's interesting to me. I'm born and raised in New York, or born in Bellevue. It, it's such a pleasure for me, and, and and I just feel the opposite with Curtis. I can't even stand to hear him on the commercials anymore. I wish he would 
not be so negative. Do it like you do, you know, in all in good fun. But he doesn't have a sense of humor. Uh, you know, well, thank you, Phil. He does, I'll tell you that. I I appreciate the uh, the call, Phil, and your loyalty. Curtis does have a sense of humor. I I find his his jokes about me, I find them very funny, actually, um, for the most part. Because a lot of times they're so absurd that you can't help but laugh. I mean, when my son was born, he claimed 13-pound baby. It's funny. It's funny. Hi, Mama Luke. Um, and, you know, and I like when the callers get in on the act, too. You know, Joe from Ronkonkoma called him on Saturday or Sunday and said how I, I was supposed to come to his house and he and his wife prepared this whole big spread for my, my wife and I to come. That was not true. But it's fun. You know, I, I was talking with John Katsimatidis about this Sunday morning. What is overnight radio if you can't have a little fun, you know, and explore some theater of the mind, right? As Curtis uh, likes to likes to use that, that term. Um, nobody should be upset with Curtis on my behalf. Curtis is a great New Yorker, a great person, and a, and a very close friend, and a guy who has helped me out more ways and more times than I can describe. And it still does. By promoting me the whole weekend, even when he pretends he's complaining. Hey, um, sp- speaking of Curtis, you know, two of his sons were purportedly conceived through in vitro fertilization. Who knows what the story is there, but I'll go along with that story. Okay. This story really caught my eye in the New York Post. I know, I know another couple that's trying to have a baby. And they are prepared to go through IVF. And they ask them, well, do you want to choose the gender of your embryos that we implant? Or do you want us to just choose the strongest embryos, the healthiest embryos? And and my friend said what I would have said if I was in that position. No, just, you know, it doesn't matter the gender. Just choose the healthiest embryos, whatever it is. And... That stands in stark contrast with this couple who asked, they went to a fertility clinic and they asked for a female embryo and she got pregnant, but she got pregnant with a baby boy. They didn't expect a baby boy. Heather Wilhelm Rautenberg said she would only have kids with her wife, Robbie, if they could have girls. Because Heather was still traumatized from being sexually assaulted on two different occasions after college. Heather and Robbie say that the Central New York Fertility Clinic, the CNY Fertility Clinic in Latham, New York, assured this couple from Buffalo that it would not be a problem. The lab could determine the sex of any embryo created using an egg from Robbie and donor sperm before it was transferred into Heather. But when Heather was 15 weeks pregnant, having been assured by the clinic that the embryo was female, she says they found out she was carrying a boy. The news sent her into a dark depression. This is in Sunday's New York Post. Heather says she became suicidal and wasn't able to bond with the baby. Now they're suing the fraternity clinic on 11 counts, including breach of contract, medical malpractice, and battery. Battery? Really? 
battery. Again, I'm sympathetic to anybody that's been a victim of sexual assault. And I recognize that she didn't want a, a boy. Battery, come on. Heather um, tells Amy Klein how much she loves her son and what it's like to have a pregnancy and new motherhood that traumatizes you. So I got to tell you. Um, so in the New York Post article, seeing the look of devastation on Robbie's face after the miscarriage made me feel so helpless. I said, we have to do it. And we started my IVF cycle that day to carry her baby. I got pregnant on the first try and I was very excited. I felt like a badass, like I was doing something for my family. We felt attached to this baby boy and it was going to be a tiny Robbie, which was the best part. At our 15-week appointment with our OBGYN, the doctor went to check the results of the cunatal test, which is a diagnostic blood test. She said, wait, do you know the sex of the baby? We're having a girl, I said. It's very important to me. To have a girl. She said, that's not what this says. Our jaws dropped to the floor. I was convinced it had to be someone else's fault, uh, someone else's result. I looked at Robbie and said, what if it's not yours? Who's in my body? That's when I flipped out. That's when I felt my body was taken hostage. I assumed it was someone else's embryo, not the wrong embryo of ours. It scared the blank out of me. I don't know how to explain this. It felt like there was an alien living inside of me. I said to Robbie... If this is someone else's kid, we will have to give it back. Our OB offered us the option to abort. I respect others' decisions, but that was never a choice I could make in these circumstances. I was hoping beyond hope someone would have our baby and we would switch after birth and it would be this happy story. So they scheduled an ultrasound the next day. She said that was the worst night of her life. She had this overwhelming sense of immobility. She remembered lying in her bedroom thinking, this can't be happening. Not only was the baby in my body not ours, but the baby in my body was male. And he was put there against my will, just like rape. Said she started having flashbacks. Um, so then she says, when we retrieved both of our eggs for IVF, we were 35. We didn't want to have a baby boy because of the assaults and because of the socialization of boys. There's constant socialization of what it means to be a real man. People say, oh, he's a boy. Let him hit you. And all the camouflage and guns don't help. Well, you don't have to give your boy guns or camouflage. It reinforces masculinity, and that's a reminder of the assaults every time. After we found out I was carrying a boy, the internal investigation to determine whose embryo it was took seven weeks. I was convinced the whole time it wasn't ours because the clinic knew not to transfer a male. It wasn't a preference. It was a need. During that time, I had no connection to the baby inside. I figured I would be giving it away to its real parents. I tried not to think about being pregnant. Seven weeks later, we got an email that this was our embryo. It was indeed male, and it was indeed related to Robbie. No one else had our baby. There was no female baby coming. It brought up the loss of our first baby like she died again. I was so furious, like a deep betrayal. How the blank do you mess this up this bad? So understand... This was their baby. And at about 27 weeks into the pregnancy, she started bleeding. She's rushed to the emergency room. She had a placental abruption. And she was put on modified bed rest. So her their son was born in December of 2020. And they placed him in, in NICU. 
They went to see him every single day for 19 days. At home, she was trying to breastfeed, but it was hard. She started experiencing all sorts of anxiety. So the baby's a year and a half old now. He's a lovely kid, apparently. Smiles just like his mother, Robbie. Has dimples just like his mother, Robbie. And she says in the New York Post, our son is made of magic. He does things to be funny. He'll use certain tones of voice and laughs to make us crack up. He's hilarious, and he's been an easy baby. I think we connect on our similarities. He's a very compassionate kid. Uh, I used to bring him into the garden when he was in my belly and tell him what I was planting, and now we both love trees and both love dogs, and I feel like I know him and how he's feeling. When it's just us, it's amazing. But when we're out in the world, he's a symbol of something. Being socialized as the same people who did bad stuff to me. I feel immense guilt and shame because I wasn't able to be emotionally present for him. I don't want to play the victim. He's an innocent being. He didn't deserve any of this. The clinic messed with, messed with something so integral, our baby's first formative years. That's the reason I'm doing this, because I love my kids so much. We think our son deserved that bond from the start. So um, I've always wondered about, you know, kind of these picking and choosing the gender of your child. I don't know. Something about that seems, I don't know, unsporting. I'm not against IVF. You know, I think whatever, if people want to have children, whatever method that they use to have, um, you know, have children, more power to them. It's great. And I give these ladies credit for not aborting their child. And I recognize that this was genuinely a traumatic experience for them. But like a lot of experiences which may seem to be traumatic, it seems like this was a tremendous blessing. They have a beautiful, healthy baby boy who they love. And they're raising. I know they wanted a girl, but mistakes happen. Even at fertility clinics. This is their child, biologically as well as every other way. And I, I think, I don't know. Uh, they wanted a baby. The fertility clinic gave them a baby. It's a baby boy instead of a baby girl. I don't think they should be suing. I, I'm sure they have a strong legal case. I guess my beef is in the karma department. I don't know. This strikes me as bad karma to do something like this. They have pictures of the baby boy in the New York Post. Seems like a lovely kid. And to sue because you wanted a girl, I recognize that you've been through some trauma. And I'm not going to judge anybody else. But it's something I can't imagine being in a couple that's doing, suing for whatever reason you didn't get the right gender. What do you think? 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. You can comment on any other issue we've touched upon as well. Tommy's in Brooklyn. Hello. Hey, good evening, there, uh, Frank. Listen, I, I know you and Curtis are buddies. And uh, I called you a few weeks, a few months ago and said how Curtis has given you a hard time and is helping your show at the same time. You know, Curtis promotes your show when he does all this. I love, I love both of your shows. Curtis has, uh, has his stick. And I, and I love this show for, for what it is. It's entertainment, as your show is also entertainment. Just a different type, you know, exactly. of entertainment. You know? 
I love both your shows. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I I think you get it perfectly, Tommy. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. We'll be right back in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Listen to me. We can give it a try. I'll look you straight in the eye and look you to me. What I'm going to do next, I'll even tie it to your imagination. Do you hear me? The great Paul McCartney, you know, I enjoyed hearing the Paul McCartney song Live and Let Die during the James Bond montage that they played at the Academy Awards. I thought that was uh, quite good. All right. Uh, A lot of people eager to comment. We're going to scroll through these calls as quickly as possible. Should we go by length of time? Why don't we go alphabetical by first name? Let me begin with Al in Tenafly. Hello, Al. Hey, hi, Frank. Uh, Sorry I missed the Oscars tonight, but my late friend Peter Bogdanovich, who directed so many great movies, starting with uh, my pal Sarah's dad, Boris Karloff, in Targets, as well as The Last Picture Show, Paper Moon, What's Up, Doc, etc., etc., I thought he deserved more of a memorialized uh, attention. Well, did they include him in the In Memoriam? Uh, sort of vaguely. Well, wh- I mean, usually the way they do it, I, I didn't see it today because um, I was driving here. They they put all the actors' names on the screen and they say Peter Bogdanovich, you know, director, um, you know, Sidney Poitier, actor. Did they do that? According to my nephew, see, I didn't see it oh, either, you, so I have to be no. honest with you. Um, I did not uh, see the Oscars tonight. I was driving somewhere. I couldn't do it. But um, I'll tell you, I did see that in the in memoriam, they left out Bob Saget. And I know Bob Saget was primarily known for television, but he should have at least gotten a gotten at least a half a second glimpse on the nod. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other point I want to make, and and I think it's uh, an important point, uh, films like My Cousin Vinny are fabulous films, great films, and under, um, you know, uh, rated in many ways. Also, I want to turn my attention to you. Your personal touch uh, on the air is great, and keep telling us about little Carmine. Uh, We're your family here. Your um, level of attention to the audience makes us part of your family. We care about you, and we care about little Carmine and the rest of it all. Well, that's very nice of you, Al. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I will. You know, I, I, I don't know that this is the best way to do a radio show, but it's the only way I know how. By the way, I just did a little quick research here. Um, Bob Saget actually won an Oscar. Did you know that? I had no idea. Saget was an Oscar winner back in 1977 for a student, he won a student Academy Award for a black and white documentary called Through Adam's Eyes. I had no idea about that. And they left him out, these bastards. They always leave somebody out. But why did it have to be Bob Saget? Terrible. Uh, 800-848-9222. You know, speaking of young Carmine, 
I'll just tell you this, and I, I was reluctant to mention this on air, but honestly, what you get on the air is, by and large, just a reflection of what's on my mind at any given time. And this has been on my mind all day. So we're moving forward with the baby's baptism. We're getting him baptized on May 1st. And it was a really difficult decision in terms of choosing his godparents because there are so many people that love him and so many people that we love that we would have loved to have picked. Ultimately, we picked my sister-in-law, Sharon, as his godmother and my brother, Alexander, as his godfather. So I called my brother Nick before I called Alexander to let him know that we were picking Alex. And um, there were a variety of factors, namely that Nick is a very busy guy this year, especially he's getting married, getting married in Hawaii. He's uh, working all sorts of crazy hours and he's got his PhD now. And in part, he doesn't see our son as often as I'm sure he would like to. And, you know, we spoke on Friday and he, he sounded okay with it. And then um, he sent me a long text message on Sunday and he was not okay with it. He said, you know, I don't understand. I, he sent me a very lengthy text message and I'll be honest, I couldn't get past the um, second sentence because I, I felt so terrible that I upset him. He said, I'm hurt by this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the oldest sibling other than you. I my middle name is his first name, and um, you know, so I felt really bad about it. So uh, we're going to speak uh, today, and I'm hoping um, I'm hoping he'll, you know, I mean, I'm sure he will get over this in time, and you know, he's still his uncle and will care for him. But I felt so bad that he was he felt so slighted. I didn't. I thought he might be a little upset, but I didn't think he would be this upset. So I felt terrible about that. And then the other thing, I'll tell you, I, I got an earful from him via text on Sunday. And I got an earful from my wife because we went uh, to look at a venue that we were looking to have a little small reception. Not a lot of people, but a small reception after the um, church on May 1st. And it was more expensive than I think my wife had anticipated and so she was giving me a, a real hard time for that. She was saying, well, you know, our house is falling apart and you're spending, you want to spend this amount of money, you know, on, um, you know, on, on this, you know, um, why can't we do something else, something somewhere else or something smaller? So uh, I, it was a very, it was a fun day because it was my wife's birthday and everything, but it was, it was very stressful. Um, I felt terrible because my brother Nick was upset and I felt terrible because my wife was yelling at me because this place was charging us too much money. But um, in the grand scheme of things, I didn't think it was that much. So, uh, all right, we'll continue with our alphabetical order method of call selection. Charlie is in Hell's Kitchen. Hello, Charlie. Thank you for taking my call, Frank. Sure. Uh, Sure. So anyway, I didn't see the Oscars. Well, I didn't know anything about the Wilson. Then, by all means, comment on it. Yes. No. I. I so I was going to tell you about, about something. I know you're old enough to remember. The first time a political speech was given at the Oscar Award was Vanessa Redgrave. Right. I, I mentioned that earlier. The Zionist hoodlums. Yes. 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 It, was, it was horrible. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely horrible. And the guy following her yeah, said, "Patty Chayefsky." Right. I, I mentioned that. 
Yes, uh, very, very good. Thank you. Thank you for much. Well, so I was going to say about this situation at uh, the Oscars. I haven't seen any of the movies, and I, I don't see them, and I don't watch the Oscars for a simple reason. You have so many Trump haters in, in all one building, and, uh, and I just I, I don't feel that they represent me or, or they even care about me on my point of view at all. So I, I don't. Uh, well, look, I hear that, Charlie, and and I appreciate that. You know, where I come from, I don't care what an actor or a director or a writer's politics are. It makes no difference to me. Just make a good movie. That's all I want you to do. Now, it's a little different if you're hitting me over the head with your views. Uh, Robert De Niro, I think he was someone that was a little over the top. But I still love him. As an actor, I still go see his movies. I think he's that good of an actor. So I'm able to make a separation between the politics of an actor or a director and their work. Uh, Eddie is in Nassau County. Hello, Eddie. Hey, good morrow, uh, Frank. Look, uh, I didn't get to watch that uh, show anyway on TV because I'm an old radio buff like yourself. Cool. And I think that you and Curtis are like the old-time golden days of radio where Fred Allen and Jack Benny would jibe and Hope and Crosby and all the old-time guys from radio days. And it uh, reminded me of the fact that uh, 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 Sir uh, Edmund Keane was a very famous British actor who once was quoted to say on his deathbed, he says, Dummy, but comedy is very, very hard. <laughs> and a salute to Mr. Casamitidis and your, your great staff of people because, like I say, I don't watch the boob tube as much as I enjoy the radio. And I know a lot of other gang out there really do appreciate the same thing. Because Frank Sinatra, I remember, was quoted as saying one time, Dare to wear the face of the clown. Yet Don Rickles, that sarcastic comedian, said that in the early days of performing his act, it was very customary for comics and entertainers to go back and mix with the patrons and, you know, share a couple of drinks and maybe have a couple of laughs. Well, one time he complied with his management's request to do that. And when he put his hands on the table to listen up close to the people at a dinner club, he was stabbed by a fork in his hand. Oh, my. And he said after that, he would never work again as far as going back to meet patrons after a show, because some people can get it. Some people just can't. But he got that. And that was just uh, one other thing. And I want to be brief, but I look, keep up the good work. You bring it back the good spirit of America, because that's what it's all about. And I salute to everybody and Mr. McCastamatidis and everybody else. Thank you so very much. Well, good night. That's awfully nice of you. Thank you, Eddie. All right, coming up next hour. Oh, I had a lot of stuff to get to. Um, I get, I don't know where to go. Um, you, you, we'll continue to take your calls, but maybe we'll get into the Clarence Thomas situation. Maybe we'll get into the amusement parks. We still have the $1,000 minute to get to, a bunch of other things. I am going to try and work my way through your calls as well. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You can email me. We're going to go through your best and worst emails tomorrow. Um, just frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Grant, your influence counts, so use it.
This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Starting your week with me, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, so there's a very sad story. Whenever a child dies, that's it. So there's this very sad story out of Orlando where this young man, his name is, uh, I believe it's Tyree, is how it's pronounced, Tyree Sampson, has died. 14 years old, dead on an amusement park ride. This is an amusement park um, in Orlando that I had never heard of. It's called Icon Park. I don't know if this is new or if it's been around a while, but uh, the only amusement parks that I was aware of, I certainly know Disney World, and I know Universal Studios, and I know they have the the uh, SeaWorld, I think, is down there. I didn't know that there was this other amusement park that also had roller coasters. But anyway, this young man was 14 years old and a a very big kid football player six foot five at 14 years old six foot five and well over 300 pounds his father said afterwards that a lot of the other operators of rides at this theme park didn't let him go on their ride because of his size. And they he the father says he was prohibited from going on these rides because of his size. So now the the he goes on this ride. It's um call it's it's a really I have to say I hate to say it about a ride that just caused someone's death, but it's a really cool looking ride. It's called the Orlando Freefall ride. And what it reminds me of, I don't know if it's still there at Six Flags Great Adventure, but Six Flags Great Adventure used to have something called the the uh, Stuntman's Free Fall, and it would, it's not that dissimilar from the Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios in Disney World, but it looks about ten times sir, than both of those combined. But basically, the premise is still the same. You're in this you're in this cart, and you go to the top of a long spike, and you're dropped. From, I'll double check how many feet, I think about 430 feet in the air. And that's the, you know, that's the thrill. And I got to tell you, I'm a sucker for these rides. Yes, 430 feet. I am a sucker for these rides. I, for me, when I go on a roller coaster, I want to feel danger. I want to feel, that's one of the reasons I love the cyclone. That at um, in Coney Island, and they've added some other ro- roller coasters in Coney Island recently. 
and they're very modern. In many ways, they're superior to this cyclone. You got the Thunderbolt. Um, there's a few others, but the Thunderbolt is the the newest and the you know scariest. But there's just something about riding that wooden roller coaster, the cyclone, and hearing the creak, 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 creak when you get to the very top. I love it. Even though the cyclone doesn't turn you upside down, it's still scary because you feel like you could fall off at any time because it's wooden. Now, that's all fun until someone actually gets hurt or someone dies. And now the more we're learning about this Icon Park, there apparently were safety concerns that were raised about this particular ride. Just moments before, this 14-year-old boy fell fell from it about halfway down, so he made it about 430 feet up, and he had a feeling something was going to go wrong. And, and this was filmed. And he said to his friend, if I don't make it, tell my, my parents that I love them. Which really just breaks your heart. So the man who filmed this was identified only as Ivan. He said that he filmed it from below as his friends questioned the safety restraints on this ride. Why doesn't this have the little clickety-click, the seatbelt? His friend asked a ride employee in an interaction that was caught on video. Ivan said the friend was referring to the ride's lack of an additional seatbelt. In most rides, you have your harness that pulls down on you, but you also have the additional secondary seatbelt. This doesn't have that, and it's really concerning, especially being a new ride, not to have that. He said his friends were just two seats away from 14-year-old Tyree Sampson, who died. This could have been one of my friends that it happened to. It's not what you would expect from a ride in the heart of Orlando. We're known for our amusement parks, for our thrill rides. So in the footage, ride employees could be heard asking after Tyree's fall about his harness. Did you check him? One employee asked her coworkers. Another employee replies, the light was on. We did check him. The cause of the fatal fall is under investigation, according to authorities. Um, but the boy, the, the boy, the boy's father felt unsafe as soon as the ride began going up. He said, he said his son felt unsafe as soon as the ride began going up. When the ride took off, that's when he was feeling uncomfortable. He was like, this thing is moving. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, what's going on? And that's when he started freaking out, talking about his son. The teen then told the friend beside him, if I don't make it down, please tell my mama and daddy I love them. Ugh. I mean, you look at the picture of the kid. He looks like a giant. And you hear that that's what his last words before he died. It just breaks your heart. And according to the father, for him to say something like that, he must have felt something. He must have felt something. Now, they are, I'm sure, going to pursue legal action. He has gotten, as his attorney, the father and the family in general, Benjamin Crump, who is usually involved in a lot of civil rights cases. He was the lawyer for George Floyd's family, for instance. So um, I'm sure this will end up in court somehow, and I'm sure maybe there will be some sort of uh, citations for this amusement park ride. I don't know if they're going to amusement park ride down, but I want to ask you this. I don't want to be insensitive to a family that just lost their their son, but I I am going to ask the question because – I did not know this amusement park existed until two days ago. And seeing this ride 
And reading these stories, horrible as they are, that they didn't take the proper safety precautions and that this young man died on this ride. I don't know what it is, but I have to be honest with you. I'm always honest. There's a big part of me that it makes me want to ride this ride more. Like I haven't, I have no plans to go to Orlando anytime soon, even though I was invited to my step cousin Martin's uh, 50th birthday down there. And it's like, all right. I mean, you know, I figure we'll go when our son is old enough to really appreciate it. But, Seeing this theme park that I didn't even know existed and seeing this ride that not only looks so scary and so dangerous, but genuinely is scary and dangerous so much so that somebody actually died. I actually want to go. I can't wait to go on this ride now. I'm hoping they reopen. You know, the parachute drop, the steeplechase parachute drop in Coney Island. They they had to close it as a ride because so many people kept getting hurt on it. and. I have always, I've never ridden it, and I've always been so envious of people that did get to ride it, and I've always thought to myself, gee, I wish I could have gone on that. And that's the way I feel about this thing. And my question for you at 800-848-9222 is, am I alone? Am I the only one that the fact that this ride looks so scary and so dangerous, am I the only one that now wants to ride it more? And I'm not sure what that says about me. Nothing rational. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-WABC. Tell me what you think. Are you a roller coaster guy, Matt Blaze? I was. I've been on many roller coasters all over the country. I've been on both the free fall that used to exist at Six Flags. So that's not there anymore. I don't think that's there anymore. And the Tower of Terror is not there anymore either. I You're will kidding. say. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think they took it down and put an Aerosmith ride. I think. I, I'm, no, I no, no, no. Because last the, time I was there, they had both. Which was one, how long ago was that? At least five years ago. Tower of Terror. And I, I would tell you, Free Fall was uh, definitely more than Tower of Terror. Oh, no doubt. But this is like Free Fall on steroids. Right. And I've been on both of them. Uh, and I went on a lot of roller coasters. Now, as I've gotten older, I have that whole equilibrium thing where you start to feel nauseous. Ah. Uh, so, right. so you wouldn't go. I would. Uh, that I, I could probably go on. But a regular roller coaster, I'd have more problems with. But yeah. I'd probably still go on it anyway. Yeah. Tell me what you think. Does the fact that someone died on this ride make it more attractive to you, less attractive? Let's say they reopen tomorrow. They say, we're good. We're making adjustments. We're adding another seatbelt. And from now on, if you're over 300 pounds, you can't ride this ride. Does it make you want to go on more, less, or just as much? What do you think? 800-848-9222. All right. Uh, we'll continue with our, with our alphabetical listing of callers. Isabel in Manhattan has been patiently waiting. Hello, Isabel. Hi, Frank. Um, your program is always interesting, but this story is very sad about that boy. It is. And, but I had, I had called about something else. Um, sure, say whatever Chris you like. Rock. Sure. Thanks. Um, I think Chris Rock is really mean because a person's illness is never funny. And Will Smith was only reacting. He didn't start the thing. So, you know, uh, what could he do? He, you know, he, 
any way he reacted might have been wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was wrong, but it was Chris Rock that he, he, no matter how old Chris Rock gets, he's not growing up. That's his problem. Yeah, well, that's his short, sort of shtick. I get it, Isabel, and, and thank you. And look, if Chris Rock did know about her alpecia, and I'll assume that he did, I'll agree with you. It's probably a subject he should have stayed away from. That being said, he's a comedian. He's there to make jokes. These jokes sometimes offend people. Sometimes they'll offend people on the basis of race or gender or because they're in a movie that got bashed like Amy Schumer was doing with, um, you know, with uh, Aaron Sorkin. I just um, I the more I think about it, I think Will Smith's reaction was inappropriate. There's a part of me that appreciates it out of loyalty to his wife. I don't think that was the right venue. Uh, And I don't think Los Angeles is one of the cities where it's legal to walk up to someone that tells a joke you don't like and smack them in the face. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think it is. Uh, By the way, just an update on the story we're talking about with this uh, roller coaster. After this this boy's fatal fall, Dollywood is now closing its own tower ride. So this is now having a ripple effect all over the place. We may see any other amusement parks that have dealt with this start closing their rides just like Dollywood has. Frank is in Lodi, New Jersey. You know what else is in Lodi, Frank? What? Our transmitter. Oh, great. Okay. So you should always have good reception. If you live there. Oh, I do. I have perfect reception. Good. I always hear you. If you don't hear but us, anyway, Frank, we're off the air. We're in bad shape. Uh, okay, then I better I better worry. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, yeah, I've called you a few times now. Um, anyway, um, it was coincidence that um, a cousin of mine was down there that week, uh, that day when it happened down there. And um, he was uh, waiting online to get on that ride. And... Um, what what happened when that thing started falling down? It, it went as fast as eighty miles an hour, free fall, which was pretty quick. And when it started breaking, the guy actually—it looked like the, the the thing that held him in the bar actually slid up a little bit, and he slid right under the bar, and then came down like about thirty thirty five feet and hit the ground. Uh, and that was that. And now, I mean, it's it's horrible. I mean, it's it's very sad. Now, are you a roller coaster guy, uh, Frank? Oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I I love roller coasters, but I don't know if I would go on it. That's I just seen a picture of somebody sliding out dying. Yeah, well, I, it is. There is something morbid about that. I won't uh, I won't dispute that. Thank you, Frank. Michael's actually in Orlando. Michael, tell me about this Icon Park because I, I'll be honest, I've never heard of it. Hey, good morning, Frank. Great show as usual. Thank you. Um, okay, so I, I pass the area all the time. It's um, it's not really a theme park in in, in the fact like uh, like a like a main theme park like uh, Disney World or something. It's it's more like a, it's on International Drive, which is a whole bunch of restaurants, chain restaurants, high end restaurants, and in the middle of this area, we have a place called Icon Park where they have just a couple of thrill rides like this where they kind of suck in the tourists, you know, to get on them. Um, but I will tell you this, next to that drop ride is a is a crazy swing ride where you go up extremely high and just a swing around. It's, I went on that a few times. And if you like thrill rides, you got to get that. Really? One a chance. But so I, is that, yeah, is that ride still open from the best, you know, the, the, from what you know? 
the swings were still open from what I understand. Yes. There's, there's, there's another ride that was closed in conjunction with this one, but the swings were still, were still operating. Yeah. I've been on that a few times. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty good ride. I feel, I feel terrible for this kid. Me too. You know, you look at the pictures. Have you been on this ride by any chance? You know what? They just opened it in January, uh-huh. and actually, me and me and my wife were actually outside uh, at a restaurant over there. Blake Shelton's got a restaurant on International Drive, and we watched it going up and up and up. And we were just like, "How high is that thing gonna go?" I mean, it is it is extremely high. It's it's something that looks. I like thrill rides, and I look at it, and I'm a little bit intimidated by it. And 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 when I see the picture of this 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 poor kid in that seat, he just looked a little bit too big for it. Oh, like, no I question about it. He should not have been on that ride. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. No doubt about once it. Once they show, once they show the pictures to the manufacturers and say, "Hey, should this should this kid have been on this ride?" They're going to say, "No." I think Dollywood actually has a, a similar ride built by the same people in Bird Park. Over well, there well that's what I just said. They're actually closing it. They're actually closing oh, okay. it right now. In light of this, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. I actually work down here at Disney World. They do security down here, so it's a. Uh, it's not a theme park in the fact of how 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 Disney World is. It's more like it's just like tourist area for dining, and there's some other attractions down there. Though it's a nice area. Uh, I, I, I may check real. it out next time I'm down there. Uh, yeah, exactly. They, check it out. Check open. it out. Michael, what yeah. did, you, did you relocate from New York down there? Ah, uh, yeah, I sure did. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn originally. Yeah. I hear. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, your time in Florida, Michael. Maybe I'll see you when yeah, I'm down sir. there. All right. All right, Frank. Have a great night. Thank sir. you very much. You know, it's funny in our area. One of the greatest rides that I've been on is this ride called Mix. And I've been on it twice. It's at the Steel Pier in Atlantic City. It's impossible for me to describe this ride. It's It not only raises you high up and flips you upside down, but it, it turns you, it spins you around repeatedly like a top. And so not only is the little cart that you're in spinning upside down, but the whole long uh, spindle that you're attached to is spinning around and around. And when you're on top, you're over the Atlantic Ocean. So if you fall, you're falling into the Atlantic Ocean. It is a incredibly thrilling ride. It's wonderful. I love it. I can't wait to go again. But I just looked up... um on the Steel Piers website, what the requirements are. And they have a 52-inch minimum to ride this ride, and they also have a 6-inch maximum. So that means you can't be more than six foot three or thereabouts to, you know, to ride that ride in at the Steel Pier. So this kid wouldn't have been able to ride that ride in Atlantic City either. And that ride, they do do, you know, a double harness check from what I remember. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. How was your weekend? Uh, You know, I think it was uh, was fine. I got a lot done, but uh, it it was too short. I'll say that. Let me tell you, I hope John Castamatidis is listening right now. And I, I he's always listening. Out. If he's not listening, he wakes he up Margot so she can listen. Well, let me tell you something. Your show, first of all, with Carmine, uh, I saw the picture on Facebook, your wife holding him. You could see the love in that kid's eyes. I think you and your wife are doing a phenomenal job raising that child. Oh, I want you. you to I want you to stop and smell the roses, okay, and enjoy my daughter just turned 15, and it flies by, Frank. And this show that you got, 
I know he's joking over the weekend. Um, and you know you're always welcome to come over and stop by and visit. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're always very gracious. But your show has been a savior in my life because I work overnights like you. And to listen, and it's like a family show. And Ellen, who runs uh, that's in your Facebook group, she's such a gracious person. Um, she was, uh, I love her comment. But this show, John Casamitinas hit a home run with this show. And like I said, I started off listening to the weekend guy, which my wife used to dislike because he was very loud. And um, I, I'm starting to get into Curtis. You know, Curtis, is a, he's a funny guy. And I know this is all comedy and, you know, stick and everything. But you, you're a great guy, Frank. And um, working overnight, it's not easy, 15 and a half years of doing this. But uh, like I said, you are... You run an awesome show, and like I said, just stop and enjoy your son as he's young because you're going to bat your eyes, Frank, and uh, he's going to be 15 like my daughter. One last thing before I go. I know you're always looking for interviews, and you were talking about last week of a woman, Women's Month, that you would want to interview or talk. Uh, My Wife in My Eyes is number one in my book, but I know uh, somebody else, I was wondering if I can uh, send you some information. Yeah, please, please. You know how to reach me. Absolutely. Um, There's a woman that's running for re-election in our school board. And I know you're very into all this stuff. And she's a police officer and she's a great mom. And I would think it would be awesome if you would interview her and get um, get her name even further out there in our school district. Yeah, I mean, um, it would have to be, you know, on an issue that's broad enough to be of interest to people even outside your district. But I'm certainly open to it, okay? Yeah, well, like I said, I'll send you all the information, Frank, and have a great night and another great show. All right, my brother? Thank you, Joe. You know, I'm just reading some of these tweets on... um, about Will Smith. There's some great stuff out there. You know, I read these tweets and it really makes me appreciate how unclever I am. And, you know, again, somebody called a couple of weeks ago and asked, how do you stay so humble? I stay this humble by not thinking of all the right witty things to say. Alexis, uh, uh, this Twitter user says, I will never forgive Will Smith for the think pieces we will have to endure for the next two weeks. She's exactly right. She's exactly right. Uh, Michael Tracy tweets, just as Putin must be held to account for his barbaric deeds, so too must Will Smith. This concludes my New York Times op-ed. There you have it. 800-848-WABC. Jay is in the Poconos. Hello, Jay. Hey, good morning, Frank. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, so years ago, my wife and I went to Germany, and we went to this, uh, they have a festival called the Dome Festival, and they went on one of these centripetal force rides, her and my cousin, and it seems like the operator just put the thing on full speed and left it there, and they were screaming to get off, uh, and you couldn't understand what they were saying because they were going so fast, and when they got off the ride, they both had to run to the ladies' room. Wow. I mean, so did what? something clearly went wrong there. I don't know. If the, nobody seemed to be in a, upset or in a panic. It just seems to be the way they ran their ride. And uh, you know, she's been on Space Mountain and the Aerosmith ride and the Tower of Terror. And, you 
you know, I, I've been on all those rides too, the three that you just mentioned, but those, um, those rides are, they're pretty tame in comparison to uh, the rides in Coney Island or the ride at Steel Pier or the ride that you described. Those are very yeah. like family friendly, kids safe ride. You know, nobody's dying on any of those rides. You know, those are rides um, that are tested 900 times to make sure nobody dies or anything. I am, I'm six foot two, about 250. And when I get on some of those rides, when they clamp the, the like mechanical harness down on you, it like squishes me down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. This is going to mess up my back or something. And uh, you just, you just wonder. Yeah, well, look, you got to know your own body type, uh, that's for sure, and uh, got to be careful. But I'm glad, um, glad your family was okay after that one ride. Thanks, Jay. Uh, appreciated that. Now, you might remember Friday's edition of the thousand dollar minute because we, we, it was Oscar themed, it was movie themed, and we had a contestant on who was doing very well, very, very well. And um, she made it up to question eight. And this is what this is what the question was. This is what happened? What New York City borough is also the title of a Woody Allen movie? Um, uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Oh uh, well, that is um, what we were looking for. The the title we were looking for was was Manhattan. So. I've been thinking about that question a lot over the weekend. And look, Manhattan Murder Mystery is a Woody Allen film. But if you listen to my question again, I believe my question is right. Uh, I says, what New York City borough is the same as the title of a Woody Allen movie? It doesn't say what Woody Allen movie includes the title of a New York City borough. That would be different. Let me hear the question again. What New York City borough is also the title of a Woody Allen movie? See? Um, uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Oh, uh, well, that is um, what we were. Now, additionally, she got it in after the buzzer. She ran out of time. So that's why with the combination of those two things, I didn't feel that we should give her a do over. But I, I I have been reached out to by a lot of people um, that said she deserved a do over. But see, I think if the question had been worded a little differently, she would have been correct. For instance, if the question was what New York City borough is in the title of a Woody Allen movie, that would have been correct. But. It's only if you look at the question, what New York City borough is also the title of a Woody Allen movie, that she was definitely wrong. But it's kind of vague. And I've been feeling bad about that. That's why we gave her two prizes on Friday. So then this guy, Junior, who tried to pass himself off as Emilio on this show on Friday... He called Curtis on Saturday, and this was one of his many complaints about me. Only things he said that was almost true. I was wondering if you could provide me with a direct phone number to Chad Lopez, because I feel like Frank scammed a, an elderly lady yesterday morning on his scam of a contest, uh, $1,000 minute. <laughs> 
and uh, I need to, I tried to call your business office yesterday, but I didn't have any luck. Now, we did not scam her. She got two prizes. So I've been wrestling with whether or not we should reach out to this lady again and try and give her an opportunity to compete. You say no, Matt. Why? No. First of all, she got it wrong, and time ran out. We're being a little too forgiving with the You're time right. aspect You're right. lately. You're right. And I can tell you right now, I can look at the count. The countdown is exactly a minute. Yeah. And it starts okay. after you read the question. So she got it wrong. Look, if, if real fortune can tell people they're wrong because they add an and. Yes, that's true. Then the rules are the rules. And she ran out of time. She did run out of time. I can't Even dispute that. Even if she that. got it right, she ran out of time. Right. That's true. That's the end. That's, That's it. it. It's over. That's it. It is over. That is over. And she got two tickets before, so hopefully she enjoyed that. All right. So good. Matt Blaze has talked some sense into me. She will not be given another opportunity to um, win $1,000. But if you want to answer 10 movie-themed trivia questions in 60 seconds, then be the Seventh caller right now to 1-800-848-9222. Those of you that are holding, if you want to continue to hold, I will get to you. Do not hang up on them, Philippe. But for anyone that wants to instead call in and try to answer 10 movie-themed questions, since it's right after the Oscars and everyone's going to be talking about the Oscars today, today's the day to do it. 800-848-9222. Compete. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds. You can win $1,000. The acoustic version by Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Uh, evidently, one of the people from the Foo Fighters passed away on Friday. Uh, Taylor Hawkins died at 50 from a drug overdose. Uh, I don't know much about the Foo Fighters. I did like this song very much. I first heard Howard Stern play it, and then David Letterman always used to have them on uh, to to play it whenever there was a special show a first show or last show or whatever show, he was they were one of his favorites. So uh, I know a lot of the Foo Fighters fans were very upset about Taylor Hawkins. I didn't know who Taylor Hawkins was, so I'd be lying if I said I was broken up. But uh, apparently they did create some great music together. All right. Without further ado, it is time for one lucky, lucky person to try to win some money. 
The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Let's say hello to Charlie in Bayside. Hey there, Charlie. Hey there, Frank. Good morning, and uh, hello to your son, Carmine. How's oh, you thank you. I, I think he's doing pretty anyway. well, although... Um, I, you know, I haven't gotten any word from my wife that he's been up all night, so that's a good sign. I'm hoping uh, he's had a nice, restful night, which means I'm hoping my wife has had a nice, restful night, which means I hope when I get home, I'll have a nice, restful sleep when I get home. So uh, are you are you a film oh, fan, Charlie? Thank you. I'm not going to get eight hours, but are you a fan of uh, of cinema? Do you like films? Sir, I am, and we've talked about it. I'm an older movie guy from the you know, the John Wayne era we've talked before. Great. The modern day stuff, I'm kind of lost. Okay, so well, I'm, as I'm long as you... that I got through on the worst night that I could have. All right, well, I think the only one you may have some trouble with is question two. I think you're going to be... Uh-oh. I think you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right with... uh that for the end. <laughs> number uh, two, number ten. I want to get at least seven, eight, or nine right. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll switch question two... And, um, see, it's meant to be easy. So we're going to yeah. switch question two and question three. So uh, in, the, in the past, when I've listened to other people, I've gotten 10 out of 10. All right. Well, then, trust me, I've tried playing Beat Bernie. And whenever I'm playing at home, I get five out of five. When you're in the actual oh. arena, you'll be amazed how different it is. All right. You ready to go, Charlie? At least for a hat, right? Exactly. And last thing, I, I, I saw your friend Sleewood the other day here in Bayside. Ah, my sympathies. And, uh, my sympathies. And Giuliani and everybody. Well, was he asking you for money? Oh, no. Ah, I was okay. ready to go um, join the Guardian Angels. I'm oh. 61. Very nice. Marine, so. You'd be the youngest guardian uh, angel they have in New York. All right, Charlie. Okay. You you ready to go? Right, let's go. Okay. Some money. What is a nickname for the Academy Awards? Yuckers. Who won Best Picture yesterday? Coda. Who won all the major nominations for the movie Annie Hall without appearing at the awards ceremony in 1978? Oh, God. I can only think of Woody Allen or Diane Keaton. There you go. There you go. Woody Allen. What film featuring Joe Pesci as an attorney is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year? Michael Lindbergh. In what film did Judy Garland sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Wizard of Oz. Name one of the two stars of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Paul Newman. What movie about a mental institution won Oscars, for, won Oscars, multiple Oscars, including Best Picture in 1975? Over the Who was the girlfriend and partner in crime of Clyde Barrow in the 1967 movie? Bonnie Parker. What person has won the most Academy Awards? Then, uh, Tom Hanks. Nah. Um, ah, the, the, uh, no, no. I didn't say actor. I said person. I said person. Oh. Uh, you did well. You did well. So you made it up to question nine. The person that won... The most Academy of the Awards. Director. Close. Take take a wild guess. Spielberg. No. Um, the person who won oh. the most Oscars, Walt Disney. Okay, because he's got a wide range of uh, influence. Yeah, yeah. he That's won thirty-two Oscars. Wow. 
That's a trick question. Was that number 10? No, that was number 9. Oh, what was number 10, if I may ask? Number 10 was, um, which famous actress screeched, you like me right now, you like me, during... Sally Yeah, see? But for Walt Disney, <laughs> you you know, you, you'd be $1,000 richer. You'd be able to afford to be cryogenically frozen next to him. <laughs> Is that all it costs? No, it's a little more than that. But with inflation... <laughs> my finger frozen for $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just the fingernail. All right. Well, the good news for you, though, Charlie, is you still did manage to win, as per the John Katsimatidis amendment to this rule, you did manage to win $100 by answering eight questions correct. Oh, beautiful. All right. You know what's cool, Frank? What? That you, you're so flexible with the rule, not the rules, but with the concept. Like, I got you to switch your question for me, and I gave two answers for one question just in case. You know, it's not like one answer and you're done. Well, we, you know, I mean, look, the first answer trick. you said was Woody Allen. So if we just took right, the first okay. answer you gave, I mean, you were correct. You know, and we actually I didn't. The other way around, what would have happened if I said Diane? Keaton I don't know. First? Let's not find out. I don't want, they're already <laughs> thinking we're giving too much money away. So I don't want to create any extra controversy. I don't worry. You guys got deep pockets. Deeper than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Charlie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on hold. Okay. Hang on. Give. Uh, you, give uh, Have a good one. Thank you. Give uh, Philippe your information. Um, but yeah, that is the John Katzmatidis amendment to the rules. He said, if you get eight correct, give him a hundred bucks. That was his his contribution, and he owns a radio station, so I think it's fine. So, um. And I actually didn't end up switching that question. I kept question two as question two. All right. Those of you that are holding, I'm going to get to you in just a minute. You know who's coming back today? I believe Sid Rosenberg is coming back uh, from six to ten on the Bernie and Sid show. Speaking of Hollywood, you know he is going to be filled with stories of his time in in Hollywood. And they all have Rich Lowry on at 740. You know, I'm really looking forward to in listening to that interview. Because um, Rich Lowry had a column really tearing Trump apart this week. And I don't know of a bigger Trump supporter than Bernard McGurk. But Bernard McGurk also loves uh, Rich Lowry. So I'm curious wh- wh- how that's going to work out when an immovable force re- meets uh, an unstoppable object, right? Uh, but Sid, Sid will be back. And that will be um, that will be fun. Boy, I love being right, huh? <laughs> All right, let me get to the people that have been holding. Uh, Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Uh, you know, Wright Beach. There were two things that made an impression on me. One was both in grammar school. The tumbler. You would go up on this thing, and I was walking around with two other people. So what happened? I was by myself in a thing. And it had a bar across as you were sitting down, and it would wave up and down. I, I felt I could have, like, I didn't have a person sitting next to me, and you could literally fly over the bar, you know? And this is like, you know, what, a, you know, way up there, a couple hundred feet up. That's one. And then they had a roller coaster called the Monster Mouse that was a smaller roller coaster that had a couple of pretty big dips that had no guardrails. Wow. And I was thinking, what if the maintenance man did not have this thing, you know, totally up to speed? 
You know, so those were two things. Oh, no, those are both scary. Absolutely. Yeah. They were a little bit uh, scary, especially that tumbler. And I think subsequently someone did fall out of it. Now, that was in Rye, you said? Rye Beach, Playland, yeah. That is something. Jeez, that sounds scary. Thank you. John is in Queens. Hello, John. Hello, Frank. Good morning. Morning. I'd just like, like, I'd just like to bring you up to, to par on the uh, Brooklyn Cyclone. Cause my father used to work there years ago. I'm 78 years old. And that was built in 1927, that Brooklyn Cyclone. Mm. Three people died on that, on that ride. One guy, one person, I don't know if it was a lady or, or, or a man, that actually decapitated. On, he stood up on the ride. When you went up that first hill, they had that, that overhang, uh, like a, a cross piece. And he stood up and he and they took his head right off. Well, that is pretty scary. So you, you were talking about you want to ride on a ride that people were killed. Well, the cyclone, they were three people killed. Well, that's maybe what, that's why it's so intimidating. Yeah, and they still say that first hill. I've watched shows on television. No, that first drop is there's nothing like it. Nothing like it's it. A, it's still one of the one of the, one of the top uh, hills that you could go down with a roller coaster in America. Yeah, no, no. Or around the world, whatever. I, I completely agree. I don't think there's anything. I still love the cyclone. I still think yeah. it holds up. Uh, thanks, John. Peter's in Pennsylvania. Hello, Peter. Hey, Frank. Just uh, something you alluded to during the uh, quiz a few minutes ago. Walt Disney. You know that that. Um, story about it I know it's a, frozen. yeah it's an urban myth yeah you know what it is it's so identified with him that it's become one of those things that people reference now uh George Washington never chopped down his father's cherry tree um right. you know Marie Antoinette never said let them eat cake you know there's all these historical uh allusions that have become so tied with a person that, you know, people still make reference to them, even though they're not true. But, but, you know, I was, you know, it was, it was just because we were talking about Walt Disney, you know. Yeah, just as long as you knew that. On another topic, you were, last week, you were, um, uh, I guess, talking, you know, sort of unsolved mysteries. And I just finished uh, reading a book about the sinking of the Lusitania Mm. in 1915. And, uh, you know, there is a theory, uh, even put forth in this book, that it was uh, intentionally allowed, that the British Admiralty, uh, under Winston Churchill then, looked the other way and didn't provide any protection yeah. because they wanted to draw the United States in I, I, I've heard that, actually. I've heard that. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, we will do that on a future show. That is a good one, Peter. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Yeah, hi, sir. I can't believe I, hold, I held on half uh, the whole night just to tell this story. All right. Well, the, the, the airwaves are yours, Larry. I, it's a good holiday. Well, it, this was, story was told to me. About, it's about G.I. Jade. Um, uh, being, it's not it's not a very good punchline for a joke because a friend of mine, there used to be a program, it might still be around, called Volunteers for Israel, where you just pay for your flight and you get to work on an army base for three weeks or, um, you know, a hostel, some place to help the country. So my friend went on it and he was assigned to an army base and, um, you know, he was single at the time, so there's, there's a lot of females that are in the army in Israel because the females are drafted. 
So if he wanted to meet one of them, so he, his opening line was something like, you look like you could be in G.I. Jade. Mm. <laughs> so as a consequence of saying that innocent remark, they kicked him off the army days. Whoa! They were so disgusted by his American kind of condescending humor. Oh, my goodness. Yes, they kicked him off the army just for that comment because she, she, she reported the superiors and, they, and she, she didn't like the remark. So basically, you see, it's, it's, it's not wise to go to make a joke about something that's close to a woman's sexuality, which is her hair. But that being said, it's in poor taste, even if she wasn't suffering from alopecia. But that being said, okay, I watched the video, and at the end of the day, Chris Rock looked like a knight in shining armor compared to that thug Will Smith, because he had an instinct to go back at him, and I saw him restrain himself. And that is really a kingly, ironically, Chris Rock showed a kingly um, characteristic as opposed to Will Smith. You see, all Will Smith is an actor and a thug. But Chris Rock rocks. He really rocks. Uh, that is a great observation, uh, Larry. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Lamar is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Lamar. Okay, yes. Hello, Cap. Frank Morano? Yes, sir. Okay, yes. Okay, Professor, look, okay, my, uh, okay, my answer is, okay, as far as the Will Smith episode, I think he acted adequately. Oh, you do? You would have done the same thing if this was your wife? I would have tried to knock his block off. Okay, especially, especially if she had a debilitating condition. Well, again, um, I'm not taking anything away from people that separate from alopecia, but I mean, mm-hmm. she's still look, there are people slightly worse off than her in, in this world. I, there are, look, when you're a celebrity, you know, people are going to make jokes about you. Um, I mean, you should see the things that people say about me and I, I'm not a celebrity. I'm, I'm, I'm known by just basically the people that listen to this show and you, you recognize that that sort of comes with the territory. Don't you think Will Smith overreacted slightly? I don't think so. No, professor. well, I, don't I, I hear so. you. No. I hear you, Lamar. Look, no. I, I guess good that, people can disagree. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay, look, a, a guy like Chris Rock, like, right, okay, that's the way you would have to approach him. And then, okay, before you know it, he, okay, Chris Rock is going around the country, okay, carrying these um, disparaging remarks about, you know, uh, Will's wife. Yeah, I hear you, Lamar. Not, Lamar, you know, and it's just a different way of looking at yeah, it. Like I, I guess, I got but, you. Um, I wouldn't have tolerated that. I got you, Lamar. Thank you. I don't think it's right. You know, I think even if Will, if Chris Rock was wrong to make the joke, let's say I agree. I think Will Smith's reaction was not proportional to the offense. Um, like when when I do something wrong in the house, right, and my wife starts screaming at me. I always say, I feel like your reaction is disproportionate with what I actually did wrong. And that does nothing. It does nothing to make her less angry about whatever she's angry about. But um, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in just a couple of minutes. You want to email me, you can do so. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O at 
WABC radio.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. Facebook group. You can uh, do so by searching on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. It's really meant to be a platform for people that want to talk about the show. Topics we cover, guests we have, things I say, stories that I tell, whatever. That's, you love them, hate them, disagree. Uh, you want to put up a question about something we do, that's the place to do it. I'm sorry we didn't get to discuss the Clarence Thomas situation. Something tells me that issue's not going away. We'll revisit that tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're also going to delve into the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. And I got some other stuff uh, coming your way tomorrow as well. By the way, you know, I saw on the just talking about places where you can chat online about radio on the Internet. There's this thing called the New York Radio Message Board. And most people, I don't think, even bother checking this anymore. I'm one of the few people that does. And I saw that a bunch of these, I hate to say it. A bunch of these losers are, have been criticizing Howard Stern for continuing to do his show from home instead of going into the studio. Now, my question for you is, you either like listening to the Howard Stern show or you don't. If you don't like listening, don't listen. If you do like listening, what do you care where he is? I am a Howard Stern fan, and as far as I'm concerned... Um, he, you know, his show is as good as it's ever been. And look, it's different than it was 20, 30 years ago. But I got news for you. If I'm still on the radio 20 or 30 years from now, my show will be different. He's evolved with the times. So I give him credit for that. And uh, even, you know, Howard has done so much for the medium of talk radio that I think we, you know, for fans of this medium to question whether he's doing the show from home or going to the studio, what do you care? As far as I'm concerned, it's still a great show. I, I hate to see It's like, for me, picking on Howard Stern, if you're a fan of talk radio, it's like picking on Babe Ruth and being a baseball fan. Was Babe Ruth a perfect person? No. But, you know, he's our Babe Ruth. All right. Uh, without further ado, it is time for you to be heard for 15 seconds. All you have to do is dial 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Brussels and White Plains. Charlie is in Bayside. Charles is in Queens. 
I th- th- this, I think, is a good pickup line. You go over to a beautiful girl and you say, if I told you that you have a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? I've heard worse, unfortunately. Mike's on Staten Island. Hey, Frank, hope Rachel had a great birthday, and today is the grand reopening of Dino and Son, Woodside. All new, but the same great food and service. Oh, that's good to know, Dino and Son. Mike and Montclair. Mr. Spicoli, are you still going to smelt down your Oscars? I'll get you a new pack of matches. I remember when tasty waves and a cool bus made you happy. Frank on Coney Island. I love rock and roll, rock and roll, loves me. I love rock and roll, rock and roll. <laughs> Joe and Ron Konkama. I endorse Jackie Napitaliano Ferno for school board May 17th, Connectquat School District. She's the best, and she's what we need. Pete on Staten Island. Just a suggestion. How about two best men? I mean, how about two godfathers? I had two best men. My brother and my brother-in-law. Your two brothers. Uh, well, this church, I, we looked at that, actually. This church doesn't have three godparents. I did look at that. Joe in Forest Hills. As far as the Oscars, they can flush it down the toilet. Period. You tell him, Joe. Anthony and Edison. Uh, yes, good morning. The uh, Trump rally Saturday night was absolutely wonderful. Trump's out there laying the groundwork to fix this disaster of Biden and uh, illegitimate Joe and the Democrats that are destroying this country. They call themselves progressives, but they're progressively destroying the country. Leo in Manhattan. I'm going to be a little bit insensitive. How irresponsible father you got to be to squeeze kids on some right on new in the new park when they kick him from safety reason off on Disneyland with 50 years of safety experience. Uh, that's fair. Evelyn in Hudson County. Frank, it's about you. It's about Carmine and your wife and raising your son. That should be thrill of enough. That's, uh, Frank in Queens. Read the Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Pierre's a criminal and a fraud is an innocent year because he copped a prison. Richie in East Meadow. Good morning, Frank. Will Smith started damage control. He did remember the virtue signal. The only shame in last night is it wasn't Jimmy Kimmel he hit. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, Alan Hoboken. To get the best Oscar for destroying Ukraine. Hello. Thank you, Al. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. Hey, the great Sid Rosenberg is back. Stay tuned to him um, at six. But first, listen to the WABC early news from five two six with the great Deb Valentine. There's a ton of news. I didn't need comments. Imagine the stuff we didn't get to. You got Brian Benjamin. You got the Oscars. You got Will Smith. You got Ukraine. You got Biden. You got Clarence Thomas. How do they fit it in all in one hour? Stay tuned. You're about to find out. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Um, I'll be back tomorrow at 1 a.m. Frank Morano, good day. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, 
you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.